get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, and it is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. For all of you that are just uh, in a tizzy this morning over the fact that the Cardinals didn't score a run or the Blues didn't score a goal, nothing to see here. (laughs) Please disperse. Nothing to see here. You know, Randy, we try to be sunshine lollipops here on the show. But our teams are making it pretty difficult. (laughs) Making it pretty difficult for us to find something positive to talk about. I feel like my mood today is indicative of the weather outside. It's gloomy. It's stormy. It's not great. Well, the way I'm looking at it is it's a long way from over. And as we mentioned, it's going to get late early this baseball season. But it's not just the Cardinals. That's the nice thing that... Uh, we're dealing with here is that the Cubs are four and two, the Brewers are three and three, the Cardinals are two and three. So all it now you, you get to two and four against Milwaukee, then you got some issues, but one win changes everything. You need to take this day off, and you need to bounce back. And by the way, the Cardinals, who lost to the Twins last night by a score of three to nothing, were facing what I would say is one of the four best teams in baseball. I think you've got the Dodgers, you've got the Yankees, you've got the Rays, and you've got the Twins. That's one of my big takeaways from this series, not from a Cardinal standpoint. That Twins team is potent. They are fun. I'm definitely putting stock into them. Yeah, and they did what they needed to do during the offseason, too. A lot of times we complain about the Cardinals because we focus on them not filling needs. But when you go out and get a Bailey, you go out and get a Hill, you go out and trade for Kenta Maeda, you hit 307 home runs. You needed pitching. And they went out and they fortified their starting rotation, added a couple of bullpen pieces. And especially for a 60-game season with a guy like Rich Hill and another guy like Homer Bailey, they're going to be a force. So, Randy, do we want to go super negative here? Or do we want to go a little positive before we head into the negatives? Uh, How do we want to approach this? Uh, I think we should start off positive. See, I was going to say let's start negative and end positive. Okay, we it's can like do ripping that. a Band-Aid off, you know? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I'm willing to go negative. The Cardinals in their last two games have scored three runs, a two-run homer by Tyler O'Neill and a solo shot by Tommy Edmond. That's your last 18 innings. We heard about Mike Schilt talking about manufacturing runs and taking good at-bats and All they can do when they score is hit home runs, apparently. Apparently. And, Randy, I didn't want to overreact and jump on the panic bus. Oh, I love the panic bus. I know it's something that we tend to do. The keys are always at the ready. And I said to myself, okay, don't panic, don't panic. But then I thought, all right, three-game losing streak. Each game is about three times as important. Mm -hmm. And this offense... It's not just them starting slow. It's not something that we could kind of rationalize. This is definitely a trend that we saw persist last season. So it's starting to make me a little nervous, Randy. I'm starting to get a little nervous. You know who else I I think might be getting nervous is the Cardinal skipper, Mike Schilt. It's a a pretty professional group, you know. So um, we do trust them and we do. But this is also a group that has worked really hard and, um, you know, expects rightfully so. And 
and we'll get results. But there is some frustration when, you know, you come in and you don't put together as many consistent bats as you would like. And, and the ones you do put together, you don't have a lot to show for it. Uh, I don't feel like this group's going to gonna necessarily press. I do know that they do care and they're going to have a tendency when you care and prepare as well as this group does to, to really say, hey, let's go and, and press. I don't really necessarily feel that. You know, it's a, it's a group that'll show up in Milwaukee and continue to prepare, take the good at bats and, and let the game come to us. They are not striking out a lot which is a positive. Only seven teams in baseball have struck out fewer times than the Cardinals, and four of those are the teams that have only played three games. Dang. Not great, Randy. Not no. great. And heading into the series, you ha- you're facing two pitchers that you'd seen before. So you, you while you're looking at it from a Cardinals pitching perspective, looking at that offense that the Twins are, are putting out there, saying, okay, I'm going to certainly take that into account when – evaluating Cardinals pitching. I'm also taking into account when evaluating this Cardinals offense that they're facing two pitchers that they have video on and they have seen before that they're familiar with. Yeah, but not as much Homer Bailey. Rich Hill is pretty darn good. When he's been healthy, he's been a pretty good pitcher. That said, you only saw him for five innings last night and you just aren't able to put anything together. And we talked about it during the entire stoppage of play. We talked about it when I was in the fast lane during... Uh, the, the regular spring training. You needed, and you still need another impact hitter. Whether that impact hitter is going to be Dylan Carlson or whether it's going to be Nolan Arenado, the fact that you hit your outfielder 7-8-9 and that you really only have one big-time guy in your lineup. Miguel Sano would be the Cardinals' cleanup hitter. He's hitting seventh for the Twins. Now, that's an outlier because that's an unusual lineup. The problem is there are a lot of teams out there that have a number six or seven hitter that at the very least would be hitting fifth for the Cardinals and be a threat behind Paul DeYoung. Randy, I did see Derek Gould tweet last night that Dylan Carlson hit a ball over the wall off Hennessy's Cabrera in Springfield. I think we're getting to that point now. We're almost a week in. I know the Cardinals have said, hey, we have to evaluate Tyler O'Neill and and Lane Thomas and I agree that they need to evaluate those guys but there has to be a line somewhere where you say okay there we want to evaluate these guys but we do want to win too and obviously their evaluation right now is that those players have a better opportunity to help the Cardinals win than Dylan Carlson does once you pass Saturday and Dylan Carlson doesn't have that extra year of service, then you have to start, I think, looking at it, especially with as bad as Harrison Bader's been going. I was going to say center field is where you're thinking, yeah. obviously. Get get Carlson into the lineup, and he can play center field. Mm-hmm. Or if you wanted to play O'Neal in center and, and Carlson in left, that would be fine. But at some point, you have to say to yourself, if you're Mike Schilt and John Mozeliak, okay, Last year, Bader hit 205, and it hasn't gotten any better, right? Right. So it's a little frustration. A lot of frustration, I would think, on the part of anybody who hopes this team does well because all of the Cardinals' discussion offensively, we we were confident that Wong was going to be Wong, and he has. Confident that Paul Goldschmidt was going to be what he is, and generally he has. But otherwise, you have some pretty substantial... we hoped DeYoung would be a good number four hitter, and so far he has, even though he did not have a good stretch run last year. But all of those question marks that we had, they're coming back with an answer of no. Right. It's 
a question mark is becoming an exclamation point pretty period, pretty quickly. Yeah. And I do feel for Lane Thomas and Harrison Bader because you have essentially a game at a time to prove yourself. And that's not a lot of sample size for you mm. to get into a groove. That is difficult. But it's the circumstances that the team has been given. And to your point, they're either going to do everything they can to win or they're going to use this as an evaluation year. Three losses in a row now for the club. And what is the manager thinking? The thing about it is you don't want to overreact. And, and, you know, this is an offense that, you know, a couple games ago, this group was touting, rightfully so, as being a really, and, you know, towards the end of our camp, you know, really explosive, dynamic offense. And it's a very capable group. Clearly, the last couple of days, not as consistent as we would like. Um, the approach was there. Just weren't able to execute as much as, as we as we care for. But a lot of confidence in this group, and um, I don't expect any wholesale changes. That's disturbing. Maybe not wholesale changes, but maybe you get Lane Thomas in there, and you haven't seen, at least over the course of a couple of games, what he can do yet. Get get him into the game. I when why, why is Ron Hell Ravello in the major leagues? By the way, all due respect. There, thank you, Randy. I'm glad you added that that qualifier there. But when Mike Schultz says this is a capable group, so it is frustrating, I think that's what a lot of Cardinals fans feel because they look at these individual players and they think, hey, this is a group that should be able to consistently put together some offensive production. Mm-hmm. And when we see this feast or famine, I know it's early, but it's not early. As you said, it gets late quickly. And it, it it's kind of baffling to me that this group of collective players struggles so much when it comes to the offense. It's amazing. It and really is. I go back to the really good Cardinal teams. Not Just since the advent of big offense and the team in 06, when you added uh, Chris Duncan to that lineup, uh, it lengthened, especially when Roland was hurt, it lengthened it out. You had the MV3, big time hitters. Even that group in 2011, once you mat- added Matt Holiday to that group and you had Pujols and Holiday uh, and David Freeze, you had guys that were capable of being impact hitters. I look at this group now and I look at the middle of the lineup and I'm looking at Paul DeYoung from the start of last year to right now. I'm not going to look at what just he's done this year. I think they have one impact hitter. I think Paul Goldschmidt is their only mm-hmm. impact hitter on this team and they have to have at least one other one, I think. You would certainly, especially after we just faced the Twins. Yeah. <laughs> you'd certainly like yeah, to have got nine. I know. I was just going to say, though, when you're looking across the field and that's the team that's coming at you, you think, yeah, maybe some more power would have been nice. So you told me you had some positive in the holster. Well, I was going to say the Cardinals bullpen has looked great, oh, right, Randy? fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great. So, yeah, let's uh, let's go with that. Behind three nothing, and we can't score any runs. But we don't. Hey, we only lose three nothing. I just wanted to end it on a positive note, Randy. I, I appreciate the positive. It's a Thursday. It's raining. It's a good thing. The Cardinals and the Blues lost last night. You got to end on some sort of a positive. Well, let's take that right into your Stanley Cup champions. Oh, great. The St. Louis Blues. Uh, they played last night against the Blackhawks. Exhibition was, game. Only the first <laughs> exhibition and only exhibition game. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is Thursday. That means it's Hot Take Thursday on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I got a hot take for you. Okay, give it to me, Randy. Your St. Louis Blues lost last night 4 0 sure. to the hated Chicago Blackhawks. Exhibition game. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, exhibition game. Yeah, right. It was an <laughs> exhibition game for Chicago, too, and they won 4 nothing. Sure, Randy, but they have they don't have a round robin to get their sea legs back, okay? They, they needed to come out all cylinders firing, ready to go. Hey, you watched last night's game, and the Blues are not repeating as Stanley Cup champions. <gasps> That's my hot take. They lose to Chicago in the first round. Whoa. <coughs> I'm offended that, that you said that. That just happened. That's a hot take. Michelle? It is a hot take. And wow. And it'll be the second round for Chicago, by the way. Scott, be, pull this the, audio. Okay. We're they'll gonna, have their sea legs. When when the Blues are hoisting the cup, I want Randy to have... Randy, if the Blues repeat... Okay, so yes. when the Blues won the Stanley Cup last year, you had to get a tattoo. I did. If the Blues win the Stanley Cup again this year, you have to listen to yourself saying the Blues aren't going to win on repeat, on loop, in a room for two whole hours. Okay, that's fine. And I think we have to open up the show with it the day after. That's fine. That's (laughs) No problem. And I want something on the website where it's your photo and and it's the quote that you had and then everyone gets to comment below. Michelle, they lost 4 nothing last night to Chicago. <laughs> Randy, it's an exhibition game. Okay, I like that. Okay, here's my hot take, okay? Mm-hmm. I think the Blues came out in this exhibition game, and they weren't at a 10 on purpose. I think uh-huh. they're wading uh-huh. in. They're not cannonballing into the deep end, Randy. They're going to wade in the shallow end and then tread some water in that median part of the pool before they get into the deep end. They're not trying to get hurt. They're trying to get their game back. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get, as you heard from a lot of the players last night, adjusted to their new environment with no fans. You can hear the communication amongst teams in a different manner. They're just trying to get themselves physically up to game speed before they enter games that matter, Randy. I hope you are correct. I hope, but I'm not confident. After last night, there was a legendary football coach, Michelle, that coached at USC, won three or four national championships with USC, and became the first head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His name is John McKay, and the Buccaneers lost their first 26 games. And in the midst of that 26-game losing streak, a member of the media asked John McKay, what do you think of your team's execution? And he said, I'm all for it. (laughs) So last night, (laughs) I'm all for it. (laughs) So uh, last night, Craig Craig Berube was asked about uh, his team's execution. Yeah, definitely. I think execution, I think we knew that coming in, you know, as a staff execution would probably be a little bit of an issue. I think the ice too wasn't very good. I, you know, I, but it's for both teams. Uh, puck was bouncing a lot, but our execution's got to be better now. You overcame a bad hand pass. Don't complain to me about the ice. It's not complaining, Randy. Do you think Chief is the type of guy to complain? He's just stating an observation that this is something that the Blues, again, are going to have to adjust to. It's a completely different feel for them to go out there. Think about what playoff hockey was like last year. We sat up in the press box, Randy, Mm -hmm. where the sound was completely different than what it was down on the ice. The, the way you adjust to that is completely different than being in a quiet arena with ice that other teams have played on. It's just something that they're going to have to get a feel for. Do you even remember what our panic bus looks like? For the Blues? Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen it since January of 2019. Yeah, it's, uh, people will send you pictures of that panic bus via the social media on Twitter at msmallman uh, and on the, on the Insta. And I'm at our uh, at Randy Carricker and at RJ Carricker on Instagram. But yeah, when you talk about the panic bus, people will send you pictures of the panic bus, and it is kind of scary. 
So are you on? I mean, clearly you're not. You're not only on the panic bus, Randy. You sold all the tickets, and you're the driver. You're yeah. wearing a nice little conductor hat. You're <laughs> I, you're I on it. On the panic bus, Craig Bruby, to his credit, is not. I didn't think that we possessed the puck enough, and when we did have it, you know, our execution wasn't good, so we ended up giving it back to him. You know, unforced unforced errors. You know, I think you know once the the real game start, it's you know we're going to be better for sure. And we're going to possess that puck more for sure. But I would have liked to. I would have liked to see more of it tonight. Once the game starts, they're going to be better for sure. Once the real game starts, they're going to execute better for sure. For sure. Are you going to tell Craig Berube that you don't believe him and that you don't believe in this team? He's in Edmonton. I don't need to. I don't need to worry about it. It's not as scary when you're asking questions over Zoom. <laughs> oh, it's a different thing than being in that room with Chief. No. There are some sunshine and lollipops that we can refer to for last night's Blues 4 nothing loss to the hated Blackhawks. <laughs> well, Benner was fine for me. You know, we let a couple backdoor plays happen, which shouldn't have happened. He made some nice saves in the first period there. So Benner looked sharp to me. I thought that uh, he played the puck extremely well tonight, got out on pucks and stopped them behind the net early on in the game, which is important. Randy, would you have liked to see any offensive production? Yes. Did the Blues defense leave some guys hanging out to dry that really impacted the, the score of the game? Yes. Did you? Would you have liked to see the goalies look much sharper than they did? Also, yes. But may I remind you, it was an exhibition game. At the end of the day. Yeah, at the end of the day, it was just an exhibition and game. And Benner did have some. He looked good a little bit uh, in the first Not period. great. Yeah, but he was, hey, want to go positive? He was better than Jake Allen. There you go. So that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm honestly not concerned at all. I'm really not. Now, if we come out with the in the first game on uh, <laughs> <laughs> a week from Sunday. I was going to say, what's no, the, I it's, mean, it's Sunday doesn't even Sunday, matter. yeah. What, I was like, what's the date today? Yeah. I, I really still have no concept of time. Since since we were quarantined, I'm like, what day is it? Are we in yeah. August yet? I really just have no idea. Get, getting close. We are. Um, are there 31 days in July? Uh, Yes. Okay. So we're, yeah, tomorrow is July 31th. <laughs> it's the 31th tomorrow. So, so August 1st is on Saturday. So we're talking Sunday, Randy. Yeah. For a couple of years, Boomer Esiason did Monday Night Football on ABC back in the day. It was Actually, he did the Rams Super Bowl, I think, uh, the, the Super Bowl win over the Titans. And so it was 98-99 after he had retired. And there was a bad team on Monday Night Football and made a bad play. And Boomer literally did say, Boomer is a big-time radio guy now, national show on CBS Sports Radio. And he said, <laughs> that's why they're 31th in the league in offense. It's true. 31th. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Michelle has made her point, which is a completely valid point. Michelle only makes valid points. Mm-hmm. And Alex Petrangelo agrees. Well, I mean, look, we could have done four days of training camp and been fine. It's, it's more playing games that's really going to prepare you for, for anything. So, you know, whether there's one exhibition game or two, it's it's – got to find a way to get ready so we have one and we got through it now we get ready for sunday but you can only do so many drills and practice so much until you want to play a game so i think uh, we're just happy to kind of get one underneath us here to get ready for next week randy they can only work on stick handling so much they can only have so many scrimmages against one another where they're not being as physical as they would like this was their first taste of playing 
an actual opponent again in a completely new environment after they had months of being shut down. Also, Randy, this could be gamesmanship a little bit, okay? This could be the Blues coming out saying, yeah, you guys are already disrespecting us. We're not getting the accolades and the support nationally that we should. Go ahead. Continue to pile on us. Put bulletin board material on the cork board. Please continue to throw logs on our ever-burning fire. Last night was a great way to earn disrespect. (laughs) (laughs) If that's what they wanted, they achieved it. All right. Do you have a hot take? I just told you that I... Oh, that they're going to win the Stanley Cup? Well, that I'm just not concerned. I'm not okay. concerned at all. I don't even no know if that's a hot take, but I mean, you really came out firing. You were throwing fireballs with that take. I was. Yeah, and I'm shocked Jordan that you Hicks, said that. A healthy Jordan Hicks. You were a healthy Jordan Hicks. You were all just Chapman before we all hated him. <laughs> <laughs> they like him in Chicago. He helped them win a World Series. Yeah, they made a deal with the devil on that one, I think. Yeah. So there's... They got what they wanted. Sometimes it works. Yeah. yeah. I hope they're happy with it. Man, it did. It Even though it's an exhibition game and even though I'm not concerned, it did sting, though, to lose in that manner to the Blackhawks. Yeah, it did. You know what else stung? Not having the game on charter. Yeah, what was the deal? I'm calling, you're calling. It says on the guide, Blues, Blackhawks. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care about this Royals game. Nobody what is happening? Nobody in St. Louis cares about the Royals Nobody game. Nobody cares. Yeah, that was frustrating. I I did call up and I said to the guy, Ian, who was great, by the way. I don't know if he's here in St. Louis or not. Shout out Ian. Yeah. But I I did point out right off the bat with a small level of frustration. (laughs) I'm trying to watch the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. (laughs) I'm here in St. Louis and there's a Kansas City Royals game on right now. Can you just flip a switch? And he spent a lot of time, way too much time with me. And the uh, switch never did get flipped. Now, fortunately, smart TVs allow us to watch on the uh, FS Go app, which was fine watching on that as I was watching the Cardinal game as well. But it's just the nature of the frustration when you want to watch a particular event that you know is supposed to be on at that time. And they're showing something else that you have absolutely no interest in. Not only is that frustrating and terrible under normal circumstances, we haven't had blues hockey in months. We had been waiting for this moment for months, and we can't access the game. Yeah, and also kudos to the people of Fox Sports Midwest. They they explained what was going on via the Twitter machine, so that was good. But uh, Charter, come on. We're better than this. We are, or we should be. Yeah. I used to work for Charter, so I was a huge defender. Of Charter. Now I just pay him a lot of money and I expect greatness. You know who else, Randy, is better than this? The St. Louis Blues. Yeah, well, I hope so. Every obstacle that has been thrown up in front of them this season, they have overcome it in emphatic fashion. I'm not going to let their first game back in an exhibition game sway my opinion of the defending champs and the team that sits atop the Western Conference. Okay, but I'm going to give you a great text here from the 618. Okay. Baruby, that sounded a lot like, we'll fix that. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk to our friend Jeremy Rutherford, uh, our blues insider for uh, The Athletic. He writes for The Athletic, and he's got a blues trivia game up. I have not seen it. Michelle has not seen it. Scott Manziara has, and he is going to provide us with that quiz, and he's actually going to uh, have a point total. And what it, what is it that you said, Michelle, that uh, you, your memory lapses at times? I have a terrible memory anyway, and I, I truly believe that I was so nervous and anxious during that blues run that I blacked out a lot of things that happened. 
Okay, I want to test your memory here. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, person. Woman. Man TV. Man. Oh, one more. TV. Camera. Camera. TV. Okay. Oh, five. See? I'm already bad. <laughs> person, woman, man. man, camera, TV. Bingo! Yes! You're, <laughs> person, woman, man, camera, TV. You're cognitively strong. <laughs> Our quiz is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right. At The Athletic, our buddy Jeremy Rutherford has a uh, quiz up. The quiz is, how well do you remember this St. Louis Blues team? And there are 15 questions to kind of refresh us and hopefully uh, restore some of our confidence because it is Hot Take Thursday, and my hot take was that uh, the Blues will not repeat as Stanley Cup champions. We want your hot takes, too, via the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780, and we'll be reading and airing your hot takes throughout the course of the morning. You can also use the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. Just download that 101 ESPN app, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's free, number one. And the the mic drop feature is great, but the whole 101 ESPN app is great. And right now, when you download that thing, Budweiser and 101 ESPN are teaming up for a one-of-a-kind giveaway. We're giving away a custom Budweiser-branded John Deere riding lawnmower, Michelle. Great gift. It's going to be fantastic. You can find the contest with your 101 ESPN mobile app and use the promo code BUD, B-U-D, to get entered. You have to be 21 or older to enter. To see the full contest rules and more info on your 101 ESPN mobile app, just go to 101ESPN.com or the app. But once again, uh, Budweiser-branded John Deere riding lawnmower. It says Budweiser on the side and you can get it with the 101 ESPN mobile app and you can also send us a mic drop. Okay, so we're ready to answer questions. Are we? Are we, Randy? Because I have a terrible memory anyway and I think this you might as well be asking me questions about 2009 because that's how long ago this St. Louis Blues season feels like. Well, we're trying to give you <laughs> as the contestant, as it were, a little bit of an advantage. I'm going to fail. I don't remember anything. We're going to start with this. Or did, did we come up with multiple choices here for yes. Michelle? We did. Yes. And we also are, because there are 15 questions and not 16, not 14, you get the opportunity to answer eight questions. I get seven and then we'll tally the total points at the end. Okay. This, I feel like I'm taking you on in the fight. Kind of. Now I know what our listeners feel like every day. I'm <laughs> no incredibly pressure. nervous. Right. So after, after Michelle answers the question, I shouldn't ding it to, to let her know if she gets it right or not. I should just keep oh. tallying and let you guys no, know. Ding no, no, it. Okay. ding it. Okay, okay. all right. If all right. I get it right, I just want to make sure. Ding away. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, you guys ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Question number one for Michelle. The mm-hmm. Blues raised their first Stanley Cup banner to the Rafters at Enterprise on October 2nd. Who was the opponent? Was it the Chicago Blackhawks, the Dallas Stars, the Washington Capitals, or the Toronto Maple Leafs? I seem to think it was a battle of two champions. I'm going Washington Capitals. Yes. Awesome. Well done. Good job, Michelle. So you got the first one right. Question number two for Randy. On November 2nd, Jake Allen recorded his 138th victory as the Blues goalie, placing him second in franchise history. Who did he surpass? Curtis Joseph? Dang it. All right, here we go. Question number three from Michelle. On December 14th, the Blues rallied from a three to nothing deficit in the third period and beat the Chicago Blackhawks four to three. Who scored the game winning goal? Was it Schwartzy, Schenner, Colton Fareko, or Justin Falk? 
Was that the game we were all excited about, Justin Falk? Yes. <laughs> that was a fun game. Was, See, Randy, look at this team and what they're capable of. Oh, yeah. Against Chicago, no less. Hey, you guys you are think an exhibition game? It's a real game. Yeah. You think an exhibition game is really something that you're going to throw that? I'm going to give you till the end of the show to retract that hot take. Oh, that's my hot take today. Hot right. take Thursday, Michelle. It is. I had to have one. But it also, I think, messes with our juju a little bit. I just we'll see. Love it. All right, question number four for y'all. Uh, on December 29th, Alex Petrangelo recorded his 326th assist, Randy, as a blue, huh? setting a franchise record for most helpers by a defenseman. Who did he eclipse? I got to go with the logical choice here, Al McInnes. Chopper's a pretty good guess. Yeah. All right, question number five, Michelle. The Blues had matching season-high winning streaks from December 12th to the 29th and February 18th to March 3rd. How many games did they win in a row during that stretch? Was it six, seven, eight, or nine? (sighs) Matching twin sets here. And we're not talking tank top cardigan. (laughs) All right. What were my options again? Six, seven, eight, or nine. Was it seven? Mm. Oh, it was eight. Dang. Hey, luckily, you have another uh, an extra question. Yeah, yeah because we know Randy's going to get them all correct. <laughs> all right, here we go. Yeah. Question number six for you, Randy. The Blues hosted the NHL All-Star Game on January 25th at Enterprise Center and had four players participate in that game. Which one was voted in by the fans? Oh, come on. That's what? so easy. Is it? Go ahead. Okay, so the four you had were O'Reilly, Biddington, Petro, and Perron. And I am going to say that the guy that was voted in was O'Reilly. Wrong. It was David Perron. Oh, that's right. At the end. Okay, yeah. And remember, he talked about this is why he wanted to come back to St. Louis. Part of the reason. Such an amazing fan base. Do I get an extra point there? Come on. Unfortunately, the rules are just too cruel. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right, we're we're tied up at two. That endeared him to my heart forever. (laughs) (laughs) Tied up at two through six questions. On February 1st, which blue became the 13th player in franchise history to play their 1,000th game, Michelle? Was it Jay Bomeister, Carl Gunnarsson, Alexander Steen, or Tyler Bozak? Hmm. I would think Steiner's over that. Okay. What are my options again? <laughs> I need to write these Bo down. Bomeister, Gunnarsson, Gun. Steen, All right. or Bozak? I think Randy knows it because he is giving me the Cheshire Cat, cat grin. Was it Jay Bomeister? Mm. It was Alexander Steen. <laughs> oh, I, I just assumed he'd be over that. All right, on February 13th, Randy Zach Sanford <laughs> scored four goals in a 6-5 to five loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. Who was the last blue before Sanford to score four goals in one game? Uh, David Backus. Unbelievable. All right, true, this is a true or false for you, okay, Michelle. 50-50, 50-50. Yep. So on February 25th, the Blues beat the Blackhawks 6-5 to five to yeah. sweep the season series 4-0. Yeah. True or false, the Blues had never won every game against the Hawks in the same season before 2019-2020. That is true. Yeah. I, rem- I remember that one. Till last night. 
Come on, Randy. Exhibition game, Randy. <laughs> it was practice. We're talking practice. <laughs> talking practice. We're talking practice. <laughs> but I do remember that stat because I remember thinking, wow, that is a long time long for time, them to yeah. not. Question number 10. Who only one Blues player scored his first NHL goal this season? Who was it, Randy? Oh, my. Let's see. Um... I think Cairo might have scored last year. I think Nathan Walker had scored previously. Uh, I don't think Mikola <laughs> scored a goal. Okay, this is not good here. Um, maybe it was him. Um, how about Clem Costin? All righty, so right now after 10, it's 4-3, to three, Randy. Michelle does have the extra question, though. <laughs> so we get to question number 11. On March 3rd, Jordan Bennington earned his 30th and final victory of the season. Where did that rank him among all NHL goalies this season? First, second, third, or fourth? Fourth. <laughs> the correct answer was third. So close. So close. All right, Randy, the league was shut down on March 12th because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Mm -hmm. and the Blues were leading the Western Conference in points. How many did they have? 94. Yeah. Good one. I looked at that stat a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, we knew that one. (laughs) All right, Michelle, next question for you. Two Blues players led the team with 25 goals each in the regular season. Who were they? Was it O'Reilly and Shen, Shen and Perron, Perron and Schwartz, or Schwartz and Tarasenko? Okay, well, we can eliminate the last one. Yep. <laughs> um, give me the options for two and three again. Shen and Perron or Perron and Schwartz? I'm going to go Shen and Perron. Well done. Thank you. All right, Randy, yes. you still have a one-point advantage here as we yes. go into your next question. Okay. And this is actually your final question. Okay. Ryan O'Reilly led the Blues in points in the regular season. Mm-hmm. How many did he have? Ooh. Um, I am going to say that he was at 68. Very close. He had 61. Okay. All right. So right now, Randy is at five. Michelle is at four. Oh, my God. We're going to make this last question worth two points, and she gets the extra question. <laughs> right. uh, okay, good. I like that. <laughs> All right. So finally... Which opposing player made this comment about the 2019-2020 Blues? Okay. Here's the quote. You got pretty impressed when you watched them play because it's almost not a single play where they beat themselves. They're so patient. They play very smart hockey, mature hockey. They win for a reason. Was that Jonathan Taze, Nathan McKinnon, Henrik Lundqvist, or Eric Stahl? This is for the win. You know... I'm, I'm torn between two. I'm going to go Jonathan Taves. Was it Nathan McKinnon? There's no way that Taves would respect the Blues that much. I, I thought so. Was it McKinnon? No, it oh. was actually Henrik Lundqvist. Okay, well, there you go. I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't think it would be Taves, but I remember him saying something kind of tongue-in-cheek like that about the Blues around All-Star time. Yeah, he said that he could still never fathom that they won the Stanley Cup or something like that. Dang. Well, good job, guys. That was fun. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. you good job, it. Michelle. Thanks. So you said you, your memory was terrible. You yeah, got, it's still not great, though. You got 50%. That's like an... 
I got a lot, had a lot of classes in high school where 50%, they would have had a conga line at my house. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> okay. Cardinals would be very happy to be 50% right now. That's true. You're right. <laughs> Um, Not great. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. The Blues did lose last night to the Chicago Blackhawks 4-0. Uh, but if you want some good news, the Cardinals only lost 3 nothing to the Minnesota Twins. Well, Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Is that our positive? Kind of. <laughs> I thought we were going that it was only an exhibition game for the Blues. Oh, we can do that, too, if you want. Yeah. Hey, they won. I expect them to dominate. I think they're losing out of the way early. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, Bitter, Bitter doesn't lose back-to-back. That's true. Good point. Great point. All right. Uh, what do we have, Scotty? All right. 314 says, take it or leave it. No non-bubble sport will survive an entire season. I'm going to leave that. I think baseball will. I'm going to leave it, too. I think baseball has shown if they're going to power through after what we saw happen with the Marlins, they're going to continue the season. It seems like they're dead set on continuing, and I think that we're going to see baseball uh, finish the season now. Football, I don't know, but I think we'll see baseball well, complete the season. Think about football, where you have offensive linemen and defensive linemen going literally face-to-face on every play. How does that work, where you don't have anybody that is asymptomatic infecting somebody who doesn't have the disease, and then they go back and and infect their whole team? I don't know how that happens. I don't either. With any football. I don't either. All right, switching to a non-sports one from the 314. Take it or leave it. Plain Lay's is the best potato chip. Totally leave that. I I like plain Lay's, but ruffles with ridges are better than Lay's. Cheddar sour cream ruffles with ridges. Amazing. Yep. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't even put regular Lay's in my top five. No, I wouldn't put them ahead of Pringles. I wouldn't put them ahead of salt and vinegar chips. Salt and vinegar chips are very good. Very good. Yeah, I like baked Lay's better than plain Lay's. Amen. I like Tostitos with a hint of lime better than mm-hmm. than regular Lay's. And I'm glad that we, because I always got uh, accosted by my former partners in the fast lane for saying that I wasn't a huge Doritos fan. They would pound on me mercilessly. <laughs> and it, it doesn't sound like we're putting Doritos in the top five either. I love Doritos. Now, I don't, I no, they're not number one. And I, Randy, get heckled a lot because I don't love a cool ranch Dorito. Oh, see? See, I'm not a Dorito person at all. I'm I'm just not, I've never been a Dorito person. The cool ranch Doritos, when there's like, they're all crumbs down there, you just pour them in your mouth, get all those spices, it's a little party in your mouth. Mm. Wow. (laughs) You know what I have at home? It's a a perfect uh, pandemic party. Yeah. Some of those, uh, the red hot Cheetos, I got them at a golf tournament. A bag of those. Oh, those are amazing. Oh, the flaming Hot br- Cheetos? flaming Hot, yeah. I'll bring them in to you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love those. Because apparently my- they're for kids and they send them to the hospital. <laughs> my roommate in college used to buy super spicy queso, and she would dip flaming Hot Cheetos in the queso. Wow. And I was like, that is aggressive. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Big time aggressive. Yeah, I think the 314 should have changed it to Hot Take Thursday uh, about the plain lace, not yeah. Take It or Leave It. This one's from the 636. Take It or Leave It by August the 7th. Bader is hitting under 200, and Carlson will be called up. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm going to take it, too. 
I don't. Oh, I, sorry. I, I, I want to take it because I want to see Carlson. And we were talking about this during the break. I do feel badly for Lane Thomas and Harrison Bader because it is difficult knowing when you're going out there that you have a game essentially to prove yourself. Right. You don't have uh, an extended sample size to get into a rhythm and, and go out there and up your offensive production. But that's the game, okay? You're going to be in tough, pressurized situations like this when you're going to have to perform. It's a a game of results. And if this were a 162-game season after Bader's last year, if you... If he were doing the exact same thing after five games, people would be getting impatient. True. Even in 162 games. You're right. We would. I don't know if they would. Right. This is from the 618. Take it or leave it. Joe Kelly would have been better off just hitting Bregman and Correa with that eight-game suspension. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, without a doubt, take it. Yeah, you're thinking, I, I didn't even hit him, and you're suspending me for eight games? How about Major League Baseball not wanting the Astros to be punished? No player got an ounce of punishment and then when players try to take it into their own hands, they say, nope, we're going to punish it. We're going to suspend him for the equivalent of 22 games. You can cheat to win a World Series, but if somebody tries to punish you, nope, we're going to protect you, Houston. So if I'm a Major League Baseball team right now, I'm saying, well, I'm going to cheat. And players aren't going to get punished for it. And nobody can throw at them later. So why not cheat? The fact that Joe Kelly would serve... More of a punishment, even a game, more than the cheating Houston Astros that for for a sport that cares so much about records and the integrity mm-hmm. of those records, a championship is in the record books for you to not want to punish them. And I know it's slippery slope with the players union, etc. But there is no way that Joe Kelly should be punished in the manner in which he's being punished, especially considering why. There has been a lot of complaint on the part of the players that Rob Manfred is not a baseball fan. I think this is more proof of that. That, like you said, he doesn't have much respect for the history and the traditions of the game. Craziness. From the 314, take it or leave it, Schilt really believes this offense is dynamic. I'm going to take that. Yeah, everything, everything I've heard from him is that he really believes in this offense's ability to take a good at-bat and be productive. I, I think they can try as hard as they want. As we mentioned earlier, they aren't striking out a lot, but... I think it's going to be hard for them to be dynamic with more with without more dynamic players. Yeah, I'm going to leave it because Mike Schultz really believes in his guys, but he also says what he needs to say to the media in a positive way. He's never going to leave his guys out to dry. So he's going to say things like, this is a dynamic offense, but we're not putting it together consistently. There's always... If you listen to the sentences, it's elevating his guys, but then also revealing what's actually happening. (laughs) This one's from the 314. Take it or leave it. Dexter Fowler has been the most surprising Cardinal so far. Let's say Cardinals hitter. Um, Yeah, I guess I'll take that. Even though I don't think that it's been a major surprise. Yeah, I was trying to think if there was anybody else. I mean, not a lot of options, Randy. Not a lot of guys producing offensively. That could have been a surprise. Um, But this is kind of what we expected out of Dexter Fowler. Yeah. I I was trying to think if there was someone that has been a surprise in a negative way. Me too. But you kind of expected this out of Bader. Marp. Marp. Um, Maybe O'Neal. He just hits home runs. That's that's what you expect from him. Home runs and strikeouts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody's kind of lived up to their billing. Yeah, I think so too. It's kind of upsetting that there hasn't been a more positive surprise. Nice, yeah. Yeah. From the 573, take it or leave it. Mahomes suits up for the Royals in spring training of 2021. I'm going to leave that. I, I'm i going to say that the Chiefs, 
maybe he'll suit up but not do anything. I, was, I guess I will take it. I was going to say, I'm taking it because even though he won't see any action, obviously, what a photo op. Yeah, and apparently he was a pretty good baseball player as a kid. Obviously, his dad, uh, Pat Mahomes, pitched for multiple teams. And Eduardo Perez was on one of those teams and said that he was a pretty good young player. Eduardo claims that he remembers him as a player. Wow. Being out on the field and throwing it. And obviously, you remember the arm. Yeah, for sure. So no Cardinals tonight, no Blues tonight. From the 314, take it or leave it. You're going to watch an NBA game today. Take it. Take it, Lakers for sure. And Clippers. I was just going to say, there's one I'm definitely watching. Yeah. And, and listening to. Right yeah, here. listening to right listening here on 101 ESPN, 730. You have to listen action. to the broadcast here and then watch the game on mute. That's yeah. the veteran play. How about Marv opting out, making Kevin Harlan the number one voice of the NBA here for the playoffs? Kevin Harlan is outstanding. Did you, the best. Did you hear him talking about the wings at Magic City? <laughs> No. It was really good. He was saying, I wonder if we can pull some strings and get those wings delivered to the bubble. And I was thinking if anybody can pull those strings from a broadcasting standpoint, it's Kevin Harlan, the nicest yeah. guy. Yeah. Everybody's going to want to hook him up yeah. with some wings. Hey, we'll take care of Kevin. Yeah, he's he is a good man. From the 618, take it or leave it. If the Cardinals hitting is down this year, they will have another new hitting coach. I'm going to leave that. But I think they'll have more new hitters next year. Okay, but then at what point do you start to wonder about the approach and the hitting coach a year after that well i think you have to you have to find out if you have impact hitters you bring up carlson you get arenado and <laughs> oh i forgot we're adding arenado yeah yeah and you get hitters ups think about the upside i think we know what tyler o'neill is i don't think tyler o'neill is ever going to be uh a batting average guy. He, he's going to hit 230, and he's he might hit in his 162-game season, he might hit 30 home runs. He is what he is. He's he's not Rob Deere, but he's Chris Carter, maybe. Maybe he'll lead the league in home runs one year and hit 205 or something like that. Harrison Bates, he is just not a really good hitter, a lead defensive player. Fowler is a nice guy to have at the bottom of your order. Uh, Tommy Edmond has never been a, a great offensive performer. It's unreasonable to expect that he's going to be great. DeYoung, we hope. He's got the power tool. Uh, Wonger, again, he, he, we know what he is. He'll probably hit 285, probably get on base 33% of the time at the top of the order. Goldschmidt, I don't know if he'll ever be what he was in Arizona, but if he gives you what he gave you last year, nice. And then Yachty. You have him as a number six hitter or bottom of the lineup guy. You get a lot of out of the bottom of the lineup hitters here that I don't know if you can blame the hitting coach for. Okay, but then what's the role of the hitting coach then? To make everybody max out, and I, I think that those are max out numbers that I just gave you. I think that what Tyler O'Neill is doing might be maxing him out. What Fowler is doing might be maxing him out. I think Wong right now is maxed out. I don't know about uh, Tommy Edmond. DeYoung, we hope, is better than he was last year, but 30 home runs. He's not going to, what he slugged last year, probably maxed out. So I I do think that he might be getting, Albert, the the hitting coach, might be getting the most over the course of last year and this year that these guys have to offer. That this is just who they are? Yeah. I just wonder about the overload of information because that's something that you've heard the players talk Mm -hmm. about in the past in regards to Jeff Albert and his approach. And if these are who these guys are, you know what they are as a hitter. Essentially, they have those instincts by the time they get to the major leagues. I just wonder if having all that stuff going on in your head as you're stepping into the batter's box is somehow a negative. You have to be willing to tune some of that stuff out. If you're Wong, if you're Bader, and I think Wong has done a good job of tuning out what he doesn't want to deal with Although he's off to kind of a scuffling start. But 
Last year, he was able to tune that stuff out and accept the information that he wanted. As a hitter, that's what you have to do, but you have to be smart about it, and I'm sure it's difficult for young hitters to do that. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, you get more talented hitters like Carlson, like an Arenado, or maybe a Gorman year after next, then all of a sudden you're better. It's... uh, Hal McRae was a really good hitting coach when he had Pujols, Edmonds, and uh, Roland. I think I would be a great hitting coach (laughs) if I had that group of guys. Thank you, Scotty. You got it. And thanks for your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Next up, the Cardinal offense should be a concern. That and more with our fresh take of the day on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Eight oh seven. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker on one hundred and one ESPN. It is a hot take Thursday, and uh, yeah, we've got some hot takes here. We want more via the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero, and you can also use the Rhino Shield mic drop, and that is easily findable with your one hundred and one ESPN app. Download that app. For free, I believe we did. We have a uh, mic drop, a hot take mic drop. We do, so we're going to get to that in just a moment. My mic, my hot take, and uh, Michelle, I, 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 I think in the let's see, May to June, June to July, we've done done this show. Next week it'll be three months that we've done this show. Wow, really? Yeah, it'll. Uh, we started on May fourth. Next week will be August fourth. I'm telling you. Time, time has, no, I have no concept of time anymore. I really do. It, it feels like 10 years ago that we saw the Blues in regular season action. It feels like three years ago that you and I started this show together. I cannot yeah. believe three months has flown by. Yeah, it has flown by. And with that, I don't believe that I have uh, seen or witnessed you aghast as I, when I issued my hot take this morning. You were aghast. I was aghast because it's an exhibition game and because it was such a severe left turn. Yesterday, we were talking. you were talking about the Blues hoisting back-to-back Stanley Cup. Yes, not kissing it, just hoisting, hoisting it. Hoisting it, no, no kissing, and passing it off and, you know, all of these things. But for you to be so affected by an exhibition game, yes, I am aghast. There were a lot of things that made that exhibition game troubling for me. Yes, it was. Not the least of which was that I couldn't find it on Charter. (laughs) Think about how troubled you would have been if you watched the entire thing. (laughs) You would say, don't even throw them out there. Weird. They're toast. So, uh, yeah, the Blues are not going to win the Stanley Cup. Here's Josh with a mic drop to 101 ESPN. All right, KK needs to be in the rotation. Without any offensive spark, all they have is run prevention to rely on. And without that, they'll be lucky to even get a wild card spot. And if they don't bring Carlson up, now I know what they say about Carlson, but if they don't bring him up, it says less about how they view his career and more about how they view this season. Oh, and Ronil, if and when he makes contact, it's that Canadian bacon. It's ham. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. We love Josh. He's great. He is great. He's got such a great voice. My question about KK in the rotation is, and I do kind of get the sense that they're going to mix and match here, at least at the outset. I wouldn't be surprised if Gomber gets the next start. Right. But I don't know who you close. And I don't know if KK is a good closer either. No, we don't know. But is Helsley the guy? I don't, I just don't know. That's, I don't think anybody knows. I don't think Mike Shilton, John Moselock know if 
they have their best closer down there right now or if their best closer is somewhere else. And maybe once you get Gallegos going, maybe he's your closer, and then you put KK in the rotation on a regular basis. That's kind of what I was thinking is that once we see Gallegos in action, that's when you see KK make that return or we see him make his debut, I guess you could say, in that role with the Cardinals. But I, I don't know. It's it's difficult because you do have some really crucial decisions to make as far as how you want to deploy these guys and what role you want to deploy these guys. And you do have to kind of weigh which position you value more at this stage of the game mm-hmm. when it comes to him. And you don't oh. you don't really know what he is as a closure yet, and you don't know if you want to disrupt the what you're seeing out of the bullpen, and you also know that you you like things that you saw out of Ponce last night, and you want to give Gomber that spot. There's a lot of tough decisions yeah. to make. And like Josh said, when you look at the preponderance of last year's performance and the fact that the Cardinals are essentially average. I mean, You talk about average. There's 30 teams in baseball. They're 15th in runs scored per game. The average is 4.54. They're averaging 4.50 runs per game. So based on what we saw last year, over 162 games and then nine more in the postseason, you'd have to think that it's going to be a pretty average offense. So the, the game for the Cardinals does have to be run prevention. And maybe scoring some runs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so then we actually have to worry about it. If and maybe the key is just playing Pittsburgh a lot. I don't know, but it can't hurt. I would feel pretty good about this particular offense if if they would score four and a half runs a game. I'd feel great about this offense. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Now you had that nine run outburst. So, but we can't you know, feast, feast or famine is not a way to go about. No, things. it's not. A couple of hot takes for you from the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Here's one. A very high-profile quarterback will opt out this season. Ooh, that's such a good one. Who would it be? I was just running through names in my head of who... Because that would be kind of their worst nightmare. Yeah. Well, it depends on the quarterback. It depends on the quarterback. Okay, you know Brady is not opting out. Right. You know Russell Wilson, even though he's tweeted some things is probably not going to opt out. Mm-hmm. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going no, to opt he's out. Not. Um who so you else? got Lamar, you've Lamar. I, I don't think in Wisconsin I don't think that there would be any need for Aaron Rodgers to. Breeze might be the one. Older, really concerned about his family, family health over the years. I would still be surprised if he did it. I would too. I'm I'm trying to think if there's any and Really, outside of, I don't know, maybe eight names, if a quarterback opted out, it wouldn't be as shocking. No, it wouldn't be as high profile. High profile. Even, even though, you know, the starting quarterback on every team is certainly going to be a, a big headline. I just think being a starting quarterback of an NFL team, you are high profile by proxy. Tell me this, as somebody who's been in this business, in the media business, if you're the NFL and you've got the 100 best players list as voted on by the players, even if the players vote... For Lamar Jackson being the best player and Patrick Mahomes being the fourth best, don't you just change it so you don't look stupid and say Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is the best player? To to maintain the integrity, air quotes, of the list, yeah. you have to. You have to. <laughs> pretty stupid. And that's no disrespect towards Lamar. He's electric. But come on. You got an MVP and then a Super Bowl MVP. If... If and when Lamar wins Super Bowl MVP this coming season, then you have the conversation. But if Patrick Mahomes doesn't get hurt last year, then he's probably right there with... It's it's probably a really close race for MVP between Mahomes and Lamar. 
A lot of people are texting in Randy Phillip Rivers. Do you think we could see him Ooh, opt, that, opt out? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So that's a good call. I know he does have so many kids that he needs to worry about and he has a lot going on, but he's such a tough guy and he knows yeah. that this is kind of the end of the road. Like the end, the sunset is near that I think we'll see him. Yeah. I, I kind of think so too. Yeah, this is his last year. And and Philip Rivers, while he's such a a great quarterback and a big name, if he opts out, is that really going to even show up on the Richter scale really right. for is the he NFL? High profile enough anymore? No, not when you move in free agency for a one year deal. Exactly, probably not. Uh, that is a part of Hot Take Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford and ask what he thinks, how he thinks we did on the quiz. <laughs> uh, he's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Michelle and Randy. And as you know, JR, uh, in shows like this, and you've done many shows like this, we're always looking for material. We're always uh, looking for creative people to produce our show. And Scotty Manziar is very creative. But thank you very much for the material today for a segment. We appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> no problem, no problem. So I heard, uh, Randy, you uh, came out on top? I did, yes. Uh, I won five to four. <laughs> and the last question was a killer. I got to give you this. Um, two things. First of all, uh, you want an even number 15 questions uh, to make it kind of uniform. And I only had 14, so I get to 15, and I'm scouring the, the, the stat book, uh, the season series against teams, who did what. And, and I couldn't come up with a, with one, so uh, I throw in that quote. And, yeah, i got to admit that was kind of a stumper. And, uh, you know, how many players commented on the Blues this season? 400, and I'm trying to get you to remember what one guy said. <laughs> yeah, that one was tough. JR, is there any question that you put together that even you had to go back and think, oh, I had forgotten that that even happened because it had been so long? Yeah, you know, some of them obviously uh, pretty obvious with uh, David Prime getting voted in or Justin Fox scoring the game winner against the Chicago Blackhawks. But, you know, you go back and uh, who let him in scoring? I knew David Prime was up there, but uh, you see that Chen and Prime both tied for 25 goals. That was something that, that maybe I didn't know until I, I looked it up. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you guys would have talked to my wife, uh, she looked at the poll and she's a teacher. She puts these quizzes together for her class, too. And uh, she said, Jeremy, you've got option three as the answer for like 90% of the questions. You can't do that. So if you guys would have just uh, picked option number three, you would have been in business. <laughs> JR, what did you think of last night? You know, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. We talked uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks about the Blues had to get to their game as quick as they could. And obviously they did not last night. So uh, you do have the round robin games to kind of put it together. Uh, but, you know, it's going to come quick. And I think that uh, you wanted to see a better performance last night, especially from what I witnessed in training camp. Uh, just so crisp and, and how fast they came together in the two weeks was really impressive. And then to just not see that team last night, I do think, and, you know, when I say this, you'll say, well, the Blackhawks uh, seem to play well and, and other teams played well, is that it was the first time seeing another team in another sweater and in the training camp guys, uh, the blues were really laying off people and that's their bread and butter being physical hard on the forecheck. And they weren't doing that in training camp, obviously, because you don't want to hurt your own guys. And I think that 
carried over into last night. I didn't see a team uh, that played its normal style of game. They were credited with 31 hits. You know, I don't know how that was, but we all saw that there wasn't uh, a four check and there wasn't uh, sustained offensive zone time, just 21 shots on goal. So that was kind of my takeaway last night is that we didn't see the blues uh, that we have in the past. Jared, how much are you attributing that to environment? I know that we don't want to make excuses for them, but this is their first time being in an arena without fans. They were talking about the quality of the ice and the way the puck was bouncing a little bit. I wonder if we're not going to see them get a little bit more acclimated to those things when we see them next. Yeah, so it's probably been mentioned before, but the couple days they were in Edmonton, they practiced at the practice facility, so they had not even stepped foot in uh, in Rogers place uh, before they went over for the game last night. And so they get there and afterwards, uh, Alex Petrangelo said that it was more bizarre than he thought it would be. And so we can see it on TV. We can see that the seats are covered, but look, these guys are what's Alex uh, Petrangelo up to seven, 800 games. And, and uh, you know, they're all in front of fans. And, and so all these guys, I think the environment was different um, and same for the Blackhawks, of course. Um, and then the ice, I, I watched it. During the game, it looked like the puck was bouncing, and uh, Baruby O'Reilly, both those guys, mentioned something uh, after the game. You know, that was the second of the three games that was played on that uh, ice last night, so you wonder if that's going to be a concern moving forward. But regardless, the ice, the no fans, nothing, these are not excuses. Uh, this team uh, didn't look like they were ready to play last night, and at no point during the game did they did they pick it up. So afterwards, they all shook it off, and uh, we'll just have to give them a little bit of a mulligan, I suppose, and see what happens on Sunday. And they may be in a scenario, JR, because they really haven't said anything to make us believe anything else, that they're ramping up towards their first playoff game. Even the round-robin tournament, we we probably won't see the best that the Blues have to offer because they're treating this as an ascent rather than just turning on a switch. You're right, and Craig Berube said that when we showed up at uh, training camp. He said, look, I've uh, talked with the team, talked with the leaders. We're going to take this thing. We're going to have a high intensity. Don't get me wrong. The the practices at the start were up-tempo, but we want this to be a marathon. We want to be here for two, two and a half months. We're going to have to find our game uh, quickly, but you know, you got the exhibition game to kind of get your feet under you, and then I think the games, Randy, will be – a little more competitive. There is the seating on the line, uh, but uh, you know, you've talked to the players as well, that uh, it's not going to be a playoff atmosphere. They want to come out of those round-robin games healthy, and the number one seed, while, yes, you want it, it's not the end-all, be-all. If you come out of that round-robin with the second, third seed, you know it could be the matchup that depends how far you go, whether you get past the first round so on and so forth. So I think that if the Blues weren't playing well, like we saw last night in the round robin, then yes, there's major reason for concern. But if they play better and wind up with the second, third seed, I still think they're okay. Jared, can you give us an update on Alex Steen? Yeah, uh, so Craig Bruby said last night that he is fine. He did miss three practices during training camp. Uh, he was on the ice, I believe, for the last one in St. Louis, and then they practiced Monday and Tuesday in uh, Edmonton, and he was on the ice. Uh, Craig Bruby says he's rehabbing uh, an injury, um, which is pretty descriptive you know, when, when you talk about uh, the rule that they, they have in place this year where they're not saying anything about injury. So I don't know what the injury is. I just know that uh, exhibition game last night, if he's feeling something, then then why risk it? Uh, and they were able to get Barbashev and McEachern out on the ice last night. So I would anticipate seeing 
Steen in the round robin, probably taking a little precaution last night. Does seem like as the Blues try to find their game and their game is built around defense, Bennington was fine. I thought so. I really did. And, you know, Craig Bruby uh, said afterwards the same thing. He said he was fine. He said, you know, maybe he lets those backdoor play happen uh, last night, uh, two of them, that, that probably shouldn't happen. But to me, those were Hall of Fame plays by Kane and Caves. And, you know, the defense was a little loose at, the, at that uh, point in the game. Uh, so Bennington, to me, came up with a couple big saves that really kept that a 0-0 game or a one nothing game. Uh, he only sees 13 shots, but I think uh, you come away from that feeling pretty good about him. Jared, which team in the round robin do you think the Blues should be the most afraid of? To me, it's uh, it's for sure Colorado. Uh, they've got the the uh, future Hall of Famer Nathan McKinnon. It just I think he's so underrated. Uh, I think that the Blues had a string of success where they win seven or eight against uh, Colorado before they lost a couple to Colorado before the pause. Uh, the Avalanche got to Jordan Bennington. Not many teams do that. He was chased from both games. Uh, I think he gave up uh, what six or seven in in one of them. So uh, I think they scare. Uh, me if you're a blues fan just because of their speed and 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 the fact that they've shown that uh, they can use it against the blues and be successful so um, you know vegas a little bit vegas had that uh, come from behind win against the blues during the regular season dallas not so much uh, the blues really handled the stars during the regular season so that's why it'll be interesting i mean you're you're going to open up with uh, colorado right off the bat so it's uh it's going to be a test after what we saw last night jr good to hear your voice thanks so much for the time we appreciate it Yep, you guys too. Thanks a lot. See you later. That is Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Next up, stick around. The fight is coming your way with Carriker and Smallman. Summer's in full action, and we're thankful for our sponsor today, Manscaped, for keeping dudes out there fresh. Manscaped offers all the right tools to keep your hair groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up that full-body grooming game, and they actually just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 or Perfect Package. Now, the Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit. I know you're probably wearing flip-flops during the summer. Hot tip from a female. People don't want to see your nasty, unclipped toenails, okay? No one likes an ungroomed man. Women, we talk about these things. Don't be that guy. That's why Manscaped has forever changed their grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. It's the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a cleanup. And this third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce those manscaping accidents. Yikes. For a limited time, subscribers out there can get two free gifts. You can get the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMALLS, S-M-A-L-L-S at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code SMALLS. Summer is here. It's time to manscape. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to Carricker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN 833. Let's get going with the fight. Kevin is our contestant this morning. Kevin, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Michelle. How are you? You know what, Kevin? I, I've been better. You know, the Blues lose, the Cardinals lose, it's raining outside. I've been better. How about you? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's only uh, one game for each, and the Blues didn't count. So uh, try to stay positive on this Thursday. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for that pep talk. I will. And good luck to you in this fight. And, Kevin, if you don't mind, when Randy comes back in, can you tell him that same thing? Because he's on this. The Blues aren't going to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. They aren't going to find their game in time kick today. And I just, I don't need it, all right? <laughs> yeah, to lose his hot take. That's right. Okay, Kevin, let's get rolling here. Question number one. Barry Bonds leads MLB history with the most home runs off of different pitchers. Albert Pujols moved into second on Tuesday night. Who is number three on that list? Is it Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, or Mark McGuire? I have to go with uh, Alex Rodriguez. All right, question number two for you, Kevin. Who holds the best rookie passer rating in NFL history? Is it Tom Brady, Robert Griffin III, or Dak Prescott? That would be Robert Griffin III. All right, a little RG3 action on this Thursday. All right, Kevin. Some MLB records might be broken this year with a shortened season. One of those is on-base percentage. Who holds the single-season record for on-base percentage? Is it Ted Williams, Barry Bonds, or Mickey Mantle? Go Barry Bonds. And your final question, Kevin. Since 2000, the Penguins and Blackhawks have won the most Stanley Cups. How many have they won? Three, four, or five? Five. Okay, checking score here. Randy is making his way in. Wearing a, again, a You've got a lot of Blues masks. I appreciate I that, Randy. Yeah, I got a three-pack. For somebody who doesn't think the Blues are going to repeat a Stanley Cup champion, you're certainly waving the oh, flag high with the gear. I'm still a fan. <laughs> I got a tattoo, for gosh sakes. That's true. You're stuck with them, whether yeah. you like it or not. That's true. Randy, say good morning to Kevin, who is in a much more positive space than you today. Kevin, great to have you with us. I'm glad you're in a positive space. What causes this after the Blues and Cardinals both got shut out last night? Oh, it's just one game, Randy. Come on, you should know that. Uh, it's, it's actually for the Cardinals. Uh, it's two point seven, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I just hope the bats start waking up here soon. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, speaking of bats, Randy, question number one. Yes. Barry Bonds leaves Major League Baseball history with the most home runs off of different pitchers. Albert Pujols moved into second on that list on Tuesday night. Who's number three? Number three with most home runs off of different pitchers. Yep. Bonds, Pujols, and I'm going to say it's somebody recent because players didn't move around as much when Babe Ruth and Henry Aaron were hitting home runs. So I'm I'm going to go with A-Rod, I think. Question number two for you, Randy. Who holds the best rookie passer rating in NFL history? I'm, I'll do the lifeline here. All right. Is it Tom Brady, Robert Griffin III, or Dak Prescott? Wow. I was going to say Dan Marino, but... <laughs> Always I, a good guess. Yeah. I think he's number two, actually. I think I'm going to go with Dak. Question number three, Randy. Some Major League Baseball records might be broken this year because of a shortened season, and one of those is on-base percentage. Who holds the single-season record for on-base percentage? Barry Bonds. 
And your final question, Randy. Since 2000, the Penguins and Blackhawks have won the most Stanley Cups. How many have they won? So, like, the Penguins and the Blackhawks have won the same amount. You don't combine them together. Well, the Blackhawks uh, and the Penguins each have won three. So I will go with three. We've got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker! Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Sorry, Kevin. You and I are both victims to Megamind today. Randy got you four to two. And after I took that quiz, it is so difficult going up against Randy because you start thinking, you're like, okay, I know he's going to know this. And then you're trying to think of the answer. It's just a lot. It's a lot of pressure. It really is. So I feel for the people going up against you, Randy. All right, well, let's run through the answers here. Barry Bonds does lead Major League Baseball in history with the most home runs off different pitchers. Albert Pujols, number two on that list. Alex Rodriguez is number three on that list. Dak Prescott holds the best rookie passer rating in NFL history, 104.9. Who holds the single-season record for on-base percentage? It is Barry Bonds. And the Penguins and Blackhawks have each won three Stanley Cups. Kevin, thank you so much for playing. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, go Blues and go Cardinals. All right. Thank you, Kevin. We do appreciate that. Yeah, go Blues, go Cards. And by the way, both off tonight. The Cardinals will resume play tomorrow in Milwaukee, opening a three-game series. The Blues don't play until Sunday here on 101 ESPN at 4.30 pregame, 5.30 faceoff. But tonight we do have play-by-play live sports. We have the Lakers and the Clippers, 7.30 with the pregame, 8 o'clock with the tip-off here on 101 ESPN against the presumptive favorites to win the NBA title. If it's not the Lakers or the Clippers, it's going to be the Bucks. You're going to be locked into NBA action, Randy? Going to watch some, yeah. Me too. I want to see what their bubble is like. Definitely. And I want to see LeBron play because I have to believe that he's just going to be in amazing shape. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we've seen those Instagram workout videos. He's been hitting the gym nonstop. Who do you like better between the Lakers, who had some injuries and some opt-outs, and the Clippers, who obviously have a guy that has a chance to win, like LeBron, his third championship with as many teams? I I like both. But I think I like the Clippers better because of that Rondo injury. I think that's going to impact the Lakers much more than than we've given them credit for here on this show, at least. I agree. And I just don't know with both George and Kawhi, LeBron can defend one of those guys. But who defends the other for the Lakers? Is Kyle Kuzma all of a sudden going to turn into a defensive ace? I don't know. I don't know. So uh, that's what I'm looking at. And the length of those two guys... Obviously, nobody defends LeBron, but what you have to do is just defend the other guys. And you do have to defend AD, which is not an easy task. Yeah, good luck with that, right? Right. And and, uh, how are you going to do that? Are you going to have Morris defend AD? I don't don't know that uh, the, the Clippers have a great answer for him either. I am interested, like you, to see what the bubble environment looks like. I've seen some videos of of them in the practice space and what that looks like. But speaking of bubbles, what did you think about what we saw in the NHL last night? Because we've got the Tampa Bay, Florida game on the screen mm-hmm. right now, and it looks like a video game to me. Yeah, I I like the look. I actually like the tarps a lot better than empty seats. I agree. And I, I like the music and I like the crowd noise. So I really, knowing the circumstances, I didn't have a, tr- a problem with it. I thought the visual was actually pretty appealing. I, I agree. I thought visually, from an aesthetic standpoint, it was better than I had anticipated. But I, 
you know, having gone to the Cardinals game and just to feel what an empty stadium is mm-hmm. like and have the players be in it, I can't imagine what that would be like from a hockey perspective when you're so used to the intensity level of the crowd, especially mm-hmm. in a playoff zone, for you to go in there. And even though you're hearing noise, it just feels different. It feels empty. Right. And I'm sure once the players start playing, it becomes probably more natural for them because there is inherent intensity in that sport. Probably easier for the players to get up for a hockey game once you get playing than a baseball game. Probably because of the speed. But yeah. I, I just keep thinking about when the Battle Hawks were here and I was doing the on the on the field stuff and we had our rehearsals and you're on the field and you're hearing all of this stuff and we're going through the elements and it's a simulated game and you're going through it and you're not nervous and then when you stand down there and you look around and you <laughs> see tens of thousands of people screaming cacao at you it's like you kind of black out and you just go into muscle memory and what you know how to do and without that energy in the arena mm-hmm. I imagine players are much more in their heads yeah no doubt about it They're, they have to be have to be right And that has to be something that you have to adapt to, which is why I am not concerned about our St. Louis Blues, because they adapt to anything, Randy. Okay. Don't be concerned. (laughs) If you don't have those concerns, you're going to be disappointed. If you have concerns, then you you aren't as disappointed when bad things happen. So you're telling me it's all about expectations. Yeah, it is. And I got to tell you, if you don't have expectations, it feels phenomenal. Expectations are the root of all disappointment. They really are. But I, last year, Randy was very nervous and sometimes doubted them. I I let history define my perspective on this team, and they have proven that we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't count them out. We shouldn't let a bad performance or some some inconsistencies in certain facets of their game for one practice. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Well, Michelle. Shade the way we look at this team. I do appreciate that you can look at it. You can take that two-month snapshot and say, yeah, they're going to be fine. They're going to win the Stanley Cup. I have a 50-year panorama (laughs) as opposed to your two-month snapshot. It's true. It's true. (laughs) But they have they or have they not proven that you should throw out the 50-year panorama? This particular group has. This particular group has shown that they are not the same old blues. They obviously have bucked the trends. They have. We'll see if they can continue to do so. Hey, we want your hot takes. You can send a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. You can also leave your hot take via the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Hot Take Thursday continues with you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> This hot take just in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 from the 636. Hot take. Blues last year followed all their bad losses with epic wins a la Stanley Cup Finals game 6 and 7. This will be no different. Hashtag we want the cup uh, 2020. Hashtag team Michelle. Thank you to our listener from the 636. Let's not panic. Exhibition game. This is exactly what our friend from the 636 is saying, Randy. They... they warming up the panic bus. Oh, it's like, what is that? <laughs> but now that I know, I'm upset. Where did you find the keys, Randy? I thought I hid those away. <laughs> I always have a spare, Michelle. Dang. But he's right. And it's not only last season, it's this year, too. No Vladimir Tarasenko? No problem. I mean, 
Randy, I don't even need to go through the list of obstacles that this Blues team has overcome from from not only this year, but last year. This is a team that's built with resilience in mind. They're, the mental fortitude on this team is outstanding. We know that these are professionals that know what their game looks like, which means that they're going to know how to find it. And quickly, let's hope so. Keith has a hot take for us on 101 ESPN. We hot, the mic drop. Hot take Thursday, or is this just the way it's going to be? The Cardinals outfield this season, here's the numbers. 221, 278, 360. That's their combined batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage. Unless they bring up Dylan Carlson and play <laughs> the kid. The kid has to play. Our outfield is terrible. Now we get the 360 slug. <laughs> He's right, though. That could be a reality Thursday. Yeah, that's really not even a hot take, is it? It's just reality. That's bleak. Yeah. That is a that's bleak Thursday. Yeah, Keith, thanks for putting those numbers together for us. We appreciate <laughs> it. From the six one eight, Harry Bader learns to hit a pitch to the opposite field, but it's not with the Cardinals. Ooh, certainly envisionable. For sure, I could see it. Yeah, I could see it because I yeah I don't know if they're going to wait around long enough to find out. Yeah. From the 636, I agree that expectation is the root of disappointment. That's why I'm not that disappointed in the card's performance, because it's what I expected. <laughs> there you go. That's true. Yeah. We we did fall into a little bit of the trap of we had missed baseball. It had returned. I think a lot of the things that we were nervous about in spring training, we may have tempered a bit during summer camp. Mm-hmm. Oh, brought to you by Camping World. Thank you, Randy. Um, because of our just pure joy that we were getting baseball back, and with that comes optimism. Hope yeah. springs eternal, even in summer camp. And I think some of the early things we were seeing coming out of summer camp and in the exhibition games, we were thinking, hey, this offense may have turned a corner. Some of these things seem yeah. to have picked up. But then three-game losing streak, a lot of these trends wearing their ugly heads again, and I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not a fan either when we don't have a team that scores any runs. I like excitement. It's hard to generate excitement when you don't score runs or points in sports. If you can't generate offense, I'm not going to generate excitement. <laughs> no. Uh, we need to bring Scott Manziara into the conversation here because obviously I'm out in the hall talking to Mike Ryder during the time that you guys are asking questions of the contestant mm-hmm. in the 4 o'clock fight. But from and multiple texts, by the way, but this one is the most salient from 314. Kevin got jobbed on question four. I'm smelling corruption. Team Gauntlet, that's the afternoon, that's the fast that's right, lane. That's right. Uh, thanks. So what the heck happened? Scott? All right, guys. So basically what happened was I read a question, and I just made it framed a little bit better when I asked Randy. But here's my defense. I said, since 2000, the Penguins and Blackhawks have won the most Stanley Cups. How many have they won? Three, four, five. That's what I gave Kevin. Now, had Kevin known the answer... Uh, you know, he if he tried to add them together, he would have known three plus three is six. Mm-hmm. But he didn't try to correct me there, so I think he did have an understanding of the question. And the other thing is, Randy, you won by two. So, I mean, come on, it wasn't even it wasn't even a one question pass. And I got it right. And you yeah, got it right. But I got to be honest, if I was listening, and the question is, the Penguins and the Blackhawks have won the most Stanley Cups. How many have they won? I'm adding them together. Right. That's the way the question is framed. Technically, Kevin was on the right track there. But he said five, right? He said five. Sure, but I'm just saying if the answer, 
he gets the options, Randy. So the correct answer six was not presented to him. It was three, four, five. So if he's thinking, well, I think, you know, the Penguins have won, or the Blackhawks have won three, the Penguins have won three, and then six is not an option, of course he's going to pick five. He's, his, his, you know, thought process here is correct. So I feel like Kev, Kevin did get jobbed. Kevin, if you're listening, text in to see if you got jobbed. Uh, 65780 is the comfort service text line. And here's the way I look at it, whether or not Kevin did get jobbed or did not get jobbed. As long as I didn't, I'm fine. <laughs> well, and that's, Randy, that's why I framed the question like that. I wanted to make sure that you didn't. I will say, though, when you're when you're in the moment, when you're in the hot seat, you you don't have the questions in front of you, so you can't read them. You know, when we were doing the Blues thing, when he was asking the questions, when he was saying a thousand games played, I was thinking, okay, with the Blues, right? So I was going through that in my mind. You, it's very difficult if you don't have the words in front of you. So I do feel like Kevin was on the right path here, not having the words in front so of him. So let's give it to him then. Let's give him the. Let's give him that one as correct. Okay, so let's have the record state: Kevin lost four to three. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's good. <laughs> See, now I'm free. I'm good. There you go. We can try again tomorrow. Uh, Yeah, give it a shot. (laughs) From the 314 uh, hot take, as much as I'd love to have him, Arenado will never be a Cardinal. Randy, were you aware of that? I was not aware of that. (laughs) That being said, if I am the Cardinals, or if I'm uh, the texter from the 314, I do recognize that I have essentially two first-round picks, Gorman and Jordan, the guy who you took this year, Jordan... I think Jordan, I forgot his last name. But you have two first-round picks that are third baseman right now and two other guys that are top 13 prospects in your organization in Malcolm Nunez and Ella Harris Montero. So you have four third basemen plus Tommy Edmond. So if you weren't going to trade for that third baseman, I could certainly see how you could make that assumption. But I don't, none of them right now is as good as Nolan Arenado, and you're trying to win now. You should be trying to win now. You should be trying to win now. Yeah. So I hope he becomes a Cardinal. With no disrespect intended towards those five young third basemen that have a chance to be good. Randy, I have a hot take for you. All right. I think we need to bring Kevin back tomorrow so that he gets a fair shot at you because the text line is blowing up. People are very upset. They're saying the way that, you know, he would have gotten potentially three correct, but you got the question worded correctly, and then you got that one right. So how how did he have it... Uh, the, the, the question is The question is this Since 2000 The Penguins and Blackhawks Have won the most Stanley Cups How many have they won? And I would have said Each or combined Right And he didn't say and that I would have said Six combined Or three each I'm just saying I don't know I don't I, think Randy loses a point Just because I said it right though like, that's what the text line's thinking. They should, know, they're, they're saying, hey, know. Kevin should have got plus one. Randy should have got minus one. It should just be Kevin should have just got plus one, right? Yeah. Penguins won in 2009, 2015, 2000, or 2016, 2017. Hawks won in 2010, 2013, 2015. Hey, but, I, you don't, but you don't get the options. So if you didn't ask that question, and it may be in your mind to ask that now, you may have just thought it out loud, wow. and you could have said six, and then you would have gotten it wrong, and Kevin may have gotten it correct. I don't know. I like Kevin a lot. Seems like a fine gentleman, and I'm totally on board with bringing him back tomorrow. Hey, Kevin was my favorite fighter of the day. I mean, we're getting hashtag free Kevin, justice for Kevin, liberate Kevin. Kevin Kevin got jobs. Justice for Kevin. (laughs) I think Kevin gets another chance 
no deserves another chance. People are riding so hard for Kevin, Randy. And honestly, as somebody that did face you in a fight today and that understands how wording can really get you when you don't have it in front of you, I'm with I'm team Kevin. You wanna come back tomorrow too? <laughs> no, hey. here's the difference. I never want to compete against you again. That's fine. It, it again. just would have been three to two. Yeah. So I'm we, just saying. We could just throw out the last so, question. How about this one? The last text from the three one four. Someone's getting fired because of this fight. <laughs> oh no. So maybe we bring him back to save Scott's yep. job. Listen, we can't go through another producer. <laughs> this is not going to get Scott fired. Hashtag bring Kevin back. Hashtag free Joe Kelly. I love it. Uh, oh, now this on the other side. <laughs> Uh, oh from the gosh. 636. The textures are offendable babies. Wow, offendable babies. Yeah. Let's not name call today. <laughs> 314, he lost by two. There's no controversy yeah. here. Thank you. <laughs> from the 314. Even Buster Douglas gave Tyson a rematch. <laughs> Scott, I think we need to call Kevin during the break and see if he'd be willing to come back. <laughs> from, from, from the 636, hashtag Kevin's fight matters. <laughs> We need to bring Kevin back. Yeah, Kevin, you're uh, more than welcome to come back tomorrow. I'll give Kevin a call. Think about how hyped Kevin was to do the fight, Randy. He comes in positive on this Thursday. Mm -hmm. He was locked in and ready to go. He probably texted all of his buddies saying, you guys, Mm -hmm. tune into 101 ESPN. I'm challenging Randy and the fight. And then he had to go back to them and say, but I, I, you know, I didn't understand the wording. And they're like, yeah, they're giving him a hard time because he lost. But in actuality, he's correct. He was such a good guy, too. Yeah. He was so nice. He's my fa- Like I said, he's my favorite fighter. No. Wasn't it Rocky that said, it won't be a rematch? <laughs> right? All right. I uh, think uh, I think we should take, um, a, we should take uh, a vote. Should we bring Kevin back? Uh, yes. Michelle? I, I vote yes, All clearly. Right. Then fine. Yeah. I'll call Kevin, see if he can fight tomorrow. And right. If he can, we'll bring him back. Yeah, and if, so if he can't, then he knows that he lost. In the essence of fairness here, we're all about fair on character and Smallman. We will bring Kevin back tomorrow. That's Hot Take Thursday, and we've got more room for your hot takes, by the way. My favorite thing ever is that the entire text line is just free Kevin. (laughs) Uh, Free Kevin, Andy Dufresne. This is good. How about this one? This is a hot take. This is dangerous because if Kevin comes back and loses, isn't that worse? This is silly. Kevin lost the bang of trash can next time. (laughs) Everybody's voting yes. We got to bring Kevin back. All right. I'm, I'm totally on board. Uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN, the, today's big thing, how stupid is baseball with this eight-game suspension, really a 22-game suspension for Joe Kelly? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Today's big thing, happy birthday, Rick Horton, our buddy, our friend. He has a birthday today. And another one of our great friends, Michelle, Frank Cusimano, sends a text and says that it was Apollo Creed, actually, that said, ain't going to be no rematch. And Rocky said, I don't want one. So that to get Rocky correct, and we know that there's no bigger Rocky fan than Coos, who I will join tonight among with along with Mike Claiborne and Dr. Rick Lehman, Jeremy uh, Rutherford, uh, Jason Isringhausen. We've got quite a group for the Summer Sports uh, so, Sports Plus Summer Startup with sports coming back, and that'll be tonight on Channel Five at seven o'clock. Randy, we do have an update on the Kevin saga, by the way. What's the latest? We had Scott um, on the phone with him during the break. So, Scott, can you let us know, will we be talking to Kevin tomorrow? So, after a big apology to Kevin (laughs) and a lot of begs for forgiveness, he did agree to return to the fight tomorrow. 
Thank goodness. The pressure is on, though. So, uh, hashtag justice for Kevin, though. I just tweeted it out. It's happening. I, I wanted to make make my stance known. So, if he wins Friday and Monday, does that get him in the Hall of Fame? Do we are we counting it as a win today? No, 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 no contest no. today. We can't do that. That okay. that's yeah. too much. We've gone too far. We need to just say today was kind of an exhibition game, right? It was. Right. It was beyond his control. So tomorrow starts his clock. <laughs> right. I agree. Unless we have another controversy. Yeah. So the pressure is on for you too, Scotty. Yeah. We don't want controversies. No. All right. <laughs> Dallas Braden of ESPN. I think he, no, he's an A's broadcaster now, formerly of ESPN, formerly an A's pitcher, uh, reacted to Major League Baseball's suspension of Joe Kelly for eight games for not even hitting a Dodger uh, an Astros player. The Astros did cheat. We know that. Yes, that is confirmed. a given in the confirmed. 2017 World Series. And Dallas Braden tweets, they cheated. That put a target on them. You protected them, speaking to Major League Baseball. That put a target on them. Then you stepped in and warned the league about revenge against the, the cheaters. That put a target on them. Suspend a player for policing his game more than the, the cheaters? Put a target on them. I couldn't agree more. I think it's preposterous that... Major League Baseball tries to take the punishment of the Astros into their own hands without punishing them. And then when it goes to the players, and one of the oldest adages in baseball is allow the players to police the game themselves Mm -hmm. and everything will work out. Well, Joe Kelly didn't hit anybody. And just because he tried to police the game and try to tell people in a not-so-delicate way, the Astros, don't cheat. Major League Baseball said, oh, no, we're, we're good with them cheating, but we don't want anybody else to try to police this game. He didn't even hit them. He didn't even hit them. Everything that Dallas Braden said is correct, that the way that Major League Baseball has protected the Astros, put a target on their back, their actions themselves has put a target on their back, their reaction to being exposed put a major target on their back, the way they doubled down and were so arrogant about this entire thing and unapologetic, essentially, put a big target on their back. And baseball players don't forget. This is not something that that a quarantine or a delayed start to the season is going to absolve. It's just not going to. And I think... While I certainly do not advocate for throwing at players and and potentially injuring someone, he didn't even hit them. We saw Joe Kelly take out one of his own windows. We know that he's erratic at times, right? Right. He didn't even hit them. And I think if anything, this is going to enrage baseball players more and make them want to throw at them more. And I think it's – I'm team common sense, Randy. I am team team – uh, pragmatic approach and to me in my mind it does not make any sense that Joe Kelly if he serves a single game of this eight game suspension could be could miss more time or be in more trouble than the Astros who cheated to win a World Series it's absolutely preposterous and the new disciplinarian for baseball is the former pitcher the six ton 10 Ivy leaguer Chris Young and This is a situation, and by the way, this is Young's first suspension that he has meted out. But if Frank Robinson were alive and in charge, there's no way that Joe Kelly would have gotten the equivalent 
of 22 games. And I know we sound old school, but this is beyond old school for me. This is just being real. This is the way it should be. There's no way that Joe Kelly should be suspended for the equivalent of 22 games for trying to make baseball right. What Rob Manfred and Chris Young are doing is advocating making baseball wrong and advocating cheating on the part of the Astros. He also, again, I repeat, did not make contact. Right, right. If he would have thrown someone and hit them in the head or caused an injury, and I know they're they're saying that they're trying to stop that in its tracks because they don't want this to persist and someone to eventually get injured. I understand the thought process there, but I also think you're right. And is it a surprise about them putting themselves in this position? And are you surprised that baseball has made a mess of this and they've they've put it's it's this. I don't know. It just drives me crazy because it seems like that's continually what they do. They continuously put themselves in holes of their own making. And maybe the play on baseball's part would have been to tick off the union and say, look, these guys cheated. They admit it. And we're going to suspend them. They have to be punished rather than putting it in the hands of the players. Take And maybe even take the grievance by the union. And if you lose, you lose. But at least you tried to punish them. Right now, it looks to everybody except for the Astros and the administration of Major League Baseball like MLB just let them off. It, everybody, every single player thinks that. Every single media member, well, 99.9% of the media members. And pretty much every fan believes that that's the case. Is there an argument against that? No, right? There's not. Against trying to punish people for doing wrong? That, that's che- right. For cheating, for impugning the integrity of your sport? It's an, To me, there's not even a debate there. So y- every player feels this way, and it's it's because you did let them off. Even, even Roger Goodell, with the idea that Tom Brady, his biggest star, had cheated, went to great lengths to suspend him for four games. Yeah, but... But mm. he, without as much evidence, right? Right. But he got it done. But but when he could have punished an entire team for Spygate, he didn't. That's, that's where that's where right. I think it gets more difficult to to point at one person and say I'm going to make exa- an example of you is easy to do it to an entire organization and also have to deal with the players' association is where it gets tricky. Well, and at least give it a shot. That that's the troubling thing to me. And uh, I know that the reason that they got the information in the first place is because they offered immunity, but. You had to know that you were going to tick off the rest of baseball by not providing any consequences for their cheating and stealing a World Series. I, I can tell you guys as someone that was in the sports media in Texas for the last year that their excuse down there is that every team in Major League Baseball is cheating. It's not just the Astros. They just got caught. Have they seen the Cardinals hit? <laughs> that was it. Every day. Everybody's cheating. <laughs> the best possible response. There's no way they're cheating. Look at this offense. Exactly. No way. <laughs> that was the argument uh, heading into the 2020 season about Jeff Albert when before he was cleared, mm-hmm. people were wondering if he was somehow involved, wrapped up in this scandal. And the response was, look at this Cardinals offense. Okay, <laughs> They are not cheating. We can confirm that he did not cheat. <laughs> but... I do think this does go deeper and, and more teams are doing this as we saw with the teams that got punished in the wake of this. But that is not an excuse, okay? You still did it. You still need to take responsibility yeah. for your actions and face the consequences for those actions. And back in the day, Bob Gibson would have provided those consequences and nobody would have said anything. Now, it's a different game, I understand. But like we have mentioned, 
multiple times here. Joe Kelly didn't hit anybody. He was sending a message saying, hey, we're, we're tired of you guys. And by the way, Joe Kelly was with the Red Sox, who apparently cheated in 2018. But he's standing up for his teammates, doing the right thing, playing baseball the way it was meant to be played. And then he gets punished for it. 20, 22 games is what it would be in 100. It would be the longest suspension that wasn't a steroid suspension in the history of the game. And I, I don't think that's warranted for this situation. No. I really don't. Again, I know that the intent was to send a message, and I know that Major League Baseball doesn't want this to become every game a pitcher feels like they're going to get their crack no. at these guys. I, I get that. But there was no injury incurred. He he didn't hit anybody. And I think you have to understand, too, this is the Dodgers that's going against them. They have yeah. a particular set of, of issues with this team. And I don't think every team, while every every player has come out and said, hey, I'm offended by this, I, I think this was wrong, I don't think you're going to see it with every no. team to the manner what you saw with the Dodgers. How about this for a stat? That 2017 World Series was basically two and a half years ago. And the Dodgers only have 10 players left from that World Series that were on the active roster. 10. Yeah. And they're still great. Yeah. So they've done a pretty good job with their organization. Pretty good. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, it's time for... Killing me, Small! Randy, it's Hot Take Thursday. And hot takes usually cause debate, right? They as, do. As First Take likes to say, embrace debate. Well... NFL.com has released their top 100 players of 2020, and Randy, it has caused some major conversation, some major debate. Can I give you their top 10 players? We're going to start from number 10. Sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're great and logical. Yeah, work our way to number one. Okay. Okay, so checking in to number 10, we have Derrick Henry. Oh, he, he had a great year last year. He Didn't really he lead did. the league in rushing and led the team to the AFC Championship game? No issues there, right? Yeah. Stephon Gilmore from the Patriots. Maybe the best cornerback, shutdown guy. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh, he got traded to the Arizona Cardinals. But you could argue that he's uh, at least a top two wide receiver. He doesn't drop passes. He's really good. So we're at number seven, George Kittle. Interesting choice for a tight end, but a dynamic pass catcher, run after the catch guy. I, I think he's the best tight end. I think you can make that case. I think it's reasonable. All right, Randy, checking in at number six, we have Christian McCaffrey. He is, for last year, uh, he was the NFL's version of Marshall Falk for last year. He was he was great. So for that one-year snapshot, I'm okay with him at number six. So as we approach the top five, you have no issues with six through ten. Uh I can see how somebody would take it. I I might make some other choices, but I'm not offended by any of the choices. Okay. Well, then let's run through the top five. Okay. Checking in at number five, we have New Orleans Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas. He's a record-setting wide receiver. He's great. And number four, Randy, a guy you may have heard of, quarterback, Kansas City Chief, Patrick Mahomes, number four. <laughs> number four. No, give me the real number four, no, Michelle. For, no, for real, Randy. It's this is the four. NFL Network. This is... Yeah. <laughs> These are people that watch a lot of football. <laughs> okay. So there are some some people that don't know what they're watching. They watch a lot of football, but that doesn't make them necessarily knowledgeable about what they're watching. I know everyone's probably thinking, who could possibly be the three players that are listed above Above Patrick Mahomes? Number three, certainly a force on the field, Aaron Donald. Yeah, best defensive player. I'm, I'm good with Aaron Donald. Yes. Number two, Russell Wilson. 
Love Russell Wilson. Top 10 player. He is not better than Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, yeah, I... I uh, unless Patrick Mahomes is number one, I can't put Russell Wilson number two. Checking in at number one, Randy. A guy who certainly made himself known last season, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. Again, based on last year, top 10 player. But, and he won the MVP. But is he the best player in the NFL? Really? Is he better than Patrick? If the Ravens today were presented a trade-off for Patrick Mahomes for Lamar Jackson, would they take it? No. Yeah, the, the Ravens. Would, oh, the Ravens. Yeah, 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 yeah. They of would, course. They would take Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, they would. That's the all we would. need to know, right? That's a logical choice. Patrick Mahomes is better than Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes is better than Aaron Donald. He's better than Russell Wilson. Patrick Mahomes is better than all of them. And for the NFL, the league itself to put this out is not surprising because they're idiots, but it's wrong. (laughs) Do you think, though, Randy, that they're getting exactly what they want? And that's us debating about it and talking about their list. Yeah, but this is also evidence as to why NFL players should not vote on the Pro Bowl because they don't watch enough football. The players don't have time to watch enough football. And a lot of them aren't fans. And Patrick Mahomes is the best player and how they... How he wasn't unanimous among the players is beyond me. You would think if anything is the slam dunk, it's going to be that they're all going to vote yeah. for Patrick Mahomes, right. right? Yeah. So they didn't. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, we've been talking about it for a while, but it's official. Notre Dame joining forces with the ACC just for the 2020 <laughs> football season. They say it's, quote, result of unusual circumstances unrelated to Notre Dame's long-term assessment of independence. I understand their long-term assessment of independence, and I believe that that long-term assessment of independence is a product of them having their deal with NBC. Of course. Right? Of course. They make a lot of money because they're independent, and they would have to share money if, like this year, they were involved, if they play this year, in a conference. I think it's, uh, I think it's for this year, it's a good thing. I do believe for college football... It makes sense to have Notre Dame be out on their own so that they can play all the teams that they play because they still have a national fan base that's incredible. And I think it would be bad for college football and bad for Notre Dame if they had to play a conference schedule and not have the opportunity to play the armies and navies every year. I think Notre Dame would be rendered even more of just an irrelevant middle-of-the-pack conference team if they played in a conference. There's no way, for example, that they would beat Clemson, right? They they would get smoked by Clemson every single year. Probably. And uh, when, you, when you look at, the, I guess the one fun thing about it would be is they would play Miami every year. Which would be awesome. Yeah, if we could get that going. But I, I think that they would be, they certainly wouldn't be number one. I think that you could probably count on them being uh, on an annual basis, not every year, but on a regular basis being three, four, five in the ACC. Do you like that they are independent? I do. I do too. Yeah. I think it's better for college football. I think it's it, it's better for them. And oh, it's definitely I, better for them. It's a distinguishing factor. Right. And, and the fact that they, because they do have that fan base and it's a, an historical fan base that's been around a long time. I think even though it is them beating Army and Navy and Air Force, I think their fans like that. They think that there is something noble about playing the military academies, and there is. And I, I, I believe that for college football, when you can get them 
because they beat those schools and they can go 11 and one and get into a final four. I think that ultimately is good for college football. It's not good that they get drilled by the Clemsons and Alabamas of the world once they get to the playoffs, but it's good to have them for TV purposes in those games. Randy, do you think the Notre Dame fan base today still runs as deep? No way. No chance. I don't think so either. We always talk about Notre Dame being independent and Notre Dame being good. It's good for college football. I just wonder how good it really is anymore because you have such a dispersion of fans. It's not the same way. If they could be as good as Alabama is, I think it would bounce back because it's a generational thing. But because, number one, you have... Two teams, two programs that are so good in Clemson and Alabama, and especially the visibility of Alabama, which is as great as Notre Dame's visibility. I think Alabama is a bigger deal right now. You're killing me, Small. Okay, Randy, I need a ruling from you. All right. We had a candy draft on my podcast, Small Talk. You can download it wherever you find your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, etc. Great podcast. You need to download it and rate and subscribe and rate. And leave a review if you're feeling so generous. Okay, Randy, my co-host Steve Cerruti, some suspect picks, but I'm going to give you his list and then give you mine. And I need you to tell me which group you would rather eat. If we're going Halloween bucket, which bucket are you choosing? Okay. Okay. He went with his first pick and the first overall pick, Kit Kat. Then we had Skittles. We had a Hershey's bar with almonds, a blow pop, sour patch watermelons, raisinets, Almond Joys, Turtles, Pretzel M&M's, a Hershey Kiss, uh, the Sour Gummies, the Sour Worms, Hmm. Laffy Taffy, a Reese's Fast Break Bar, a Take Five, and Charleston Chews. Okay? Yeah. Right. My my exact reaction. Now on to my group. Okay. We got a Twix, which was my first pick. There's the number two overall pick in the draft, which I don't think you can go wrong with. Uh, I had Starburst, Peanut M&M's, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, specifically the Easter egg-shaped yes. peanut butter cups, Love Randy, because I think the chocolate to peanut butter ratio is better there. Uh, we had a Kinder Bueno bar, Mystery Airheads, Twizzlers, Tootsie Roll Pops, Swedish Fish, Reese's Pieces, Fruities, you know, the little... You know, Tootsie Roll type fruit candies that you get mm-hmm. at a parade, Butterfinger, Junior Mints, a peanut butter Snickers, and Rolos. So now that I've given you both teams, Randy, which team are you going with? Well, clearly, I'm going with Smallman, and all due respect <laughs> to Saruti. Uh, Kit Kat, nice mid round pick, but certainly not a first pick in the draft. All right. I like Kit Kat. Not a first Give overall a pick. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, Skittles. I I like Skittles when they're given to me, but if they're in my Halloween uh, pillowcase, I'm going to trade. I'm I'm offering to trade those Skittles. Oh wow! Blow Pop? How did Blow Pop even make? uh, How did Blow Pop get drafted? Here's what happened. I went Tootsie Pop. Uh-huh. And then I think he thought, okay, I need a sucker too. So he clearly went with the secondary choice there. And I had to remind him, do you realize that at least with the Tootsie Pop, I'm getting to eat the Tootsie Roll Center, right. whereas you're just getting two to three chomps of some subpar gum that you're going to spit out. Right. Uh, Hershey's with almonds is fine. As you know, I like almonds, and that's yeah. why I'm okay with Almond Joy too. But Sour Patch, no. Raisinets, 
No. <laughs> Trolley crawlers. No. Hershey's Kisses for candy? I know. No. Obscene. Pick. Pretzel M&M's? No. Laffy Taffy? No. Charleston Chew? No. Strong move value pick on the Reese's Fast Break. Really like it. Turtles, if you get a giant thing of uh, Valentine's candy and turtles are in there, good. Do you draft them in a draft? <laughs> no. Uh, take five? Don't know. For you, Twix, strong choice. Uh, peanut M&M's. Who doesn't like peanut, peanut M&M's? Ooh, oh, well, Scott one guy who doesn't. has a peanut wow. allergy. Oh, yeah, he has a peanut allergy. Yeah. Starburst, one of the classic candies, all right? Yeah, it's great. Uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, that's my number one overall pick. You told me about the Kinder Bueno. I've got to try them. I haven't I'll bring had them you yet. in one, don't you worry. Yeah. Uh, Twizzlers, very strong. The, the Tootsie Roll Pop, great. Reese's Pieces. E.T. loved Reese's Pieces. They were delicious. Swedish Fish, a very nice snack food. Snickers uh, Peanut Butter, Rolo Junior Mints. To me, the uh, another undraftable pick, you took it, is the Butterfinger, but I, I'm fine with that. It's out of your choice. If you take the collaboration of everything, if you just look at the two drafts as a portfolio the smallman draft dwarfs the Saruti draft the Saruti draft is the 2006 rams draft this is ty hill this is uh, joe klopfenstein this is dominique bird this is john alston who got cut before camp ended this is claude roten this this is awful yeah. it's unimaginable that it's like it's like he's never had candy before. That's what I said. We had Mike Gold Jr. come on as our candy commissioner, uh-huh. and he also chose me as the winner. Spoiler alert if you're listening to the pod. But I said to him, I don't know if Steve understood that he could choose any candy out there. Anyway. Yeah, by the way, Junior Mints in the Freezer are great. I think they're a sneaky great uh, movie candy, too. They are fantastic. And that's especially for women who can go to Walgreens, four for $4, and get them when we get back to movies. And... Uh, Carry them in in your purse. They're, they're fantastic. And you get them for a buck rather than five bucks at the concession stand at the movie. That's a hot tip, Randy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks, Michelle. You got it. That is your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Battlehawks still doing great things in their community, even though they don't exist right now. Taylor Russolino, the Battlehawks kicker, joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker. Great to have you with us. And Michelle and I both loved the Battle Hawks, as everybody in St. Louis did. And their great kicker, Taylor Russolino, still doing great things around the country and for our community. And Taylor is with us now on 101 ESPN via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Uh, Taylor, first of all, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Good morning to you all um, over there. And- you know, just hanging in there, but I'm doing well. Thank you. And uh, we think it's very cool what you're doing, providing uh, food for healthcare workers uh, in, in three different places, in, in your home of uh, Louisiana, in Louisiana, in New Orleans, UCI Medical Center, and then here at uh, DePaul Hospital in St. Louis. And you're providing, the through your uh, GoFundMe page, the ability to deliver meals to healthcare workers. What prompted you to do this, to help people out at, at this time, Taylor? It was uh, it was in that time, kind of you know, a couple weeks after this whole thing had really got going. Um, when you know we really we really saw the frontline workers, you know, being kind of bombarded with you know with uncertainties and with you know overpopulated hospitals and um, et cetera. So my fiance had came home from work one day and she continuously told me how you know they were you know 
provided catered meals on a daily basis and that people were, you know, trying to give them supplies and trying to go out of their way to do nice things for them, you know, during their busy shift. So, so I was sitting there and I was like, well, you know what, I wonder if I could, you know, maybe find a way to, to gather up some money through uh, some friends, family, and some supporters. And doing that, I started the GoFundMe page and, you know, was luckily able to um, gather up around a couple thousand dollars and allocate that through, you know, those three hospitals that, you know, have a little place in my heart. Um, as you had mentioned, from St. Louis to my hometown of New Orleans and then to the place of her work, which is UC Irvine out here in California. That's amazing, Taylor. And as you mentioned, your fiance Gabrielle, is a registered nurse. She's out there on the front lines during this pandemic. And can you share with us a little bit of what it's been like for you to live with her and have to watch her go through this this you know situation every single day? We don't talk enough about the healthcare heroes and what they're enduring on a day to day basis. Of course, I mean she has been an absolute uh, absolute trooper about it. You know, she'll when she arrives from home, she uh, she kind of follows the guidelines of you know stripping down those those medical attire and then, you know, you know, hitting right into the shower and making sure she's all, you know, fresh and clean for, you know, when she makes contact with us later on in the evening. Um, you know, but she's been doing great. She, um, you know, she follows the proper guidelines during her shifts. Um, you know, she has a great team over there at UCI that she's been working with. And, you know, she's keeping a good attitude, which is obviously a huge part of it. She's, you know, she's trying to really and, and embrace this opportunity to, you know, to help those in need and to put her skills to the use. Battlehawks kicker Taylor Russelino with us on 101 ESPN. And Taylor, while the Battlehawks were playing, as we watched you kick, I said to everybody who would listen, this is an NFL kicker. Have you gotten any nibbles? And I know the times are tough in terms of getting into a camp and uh, taking physicals and stuff like that. But you ha- have you had any nibbles from the NFL? I have. um uh, right now at the moment, you know, I'm currently still a free agent, but I have been in contact with some teams here and there throughout the past couple months and then uh, even here more so recently. So, you know, hopefully as this training camp gets underway and, um, you know, they kind of trim down some rosters, try to make some moves, um, hopefully that, you know, my dream can, can come to fruition and hopefully that opportunity presents itself here soon. Taylor, uh, in speaking with a lot of the players before they actually came to St. Louis, once they were signed by the Battlehawks, a lot of them had not come to St. Louis before and had no real impression of the city. Uh, before you actually came to St. Louis to play for the Battlehawks, had you been to St. Louis, and what was your impression of the city? You know, it's funny you say that because, ironically, I was there um, about three or four years prior to my time arriving there. This year, I had played an arena football game down there in St. Charles, um, you know, I didn't get a chance to experience the city of St. Louis. So my time there this, you know, the past five or six months was, was a little bit different. Um, and it was awesome. I mean, the city, you know, the way they embraced, you know, the organization, the team, the players, it was world-class. Um, you know, so I have the utmost respect and love for that city. It will forever have a place in my heart. And, and I sure hope football returns back to that city here soon. We do too, and Taylor. St. Louis is kind of a simple place when it when it comes to sports and athletes. We just want athletes to really understand our passion for sports. But it seemed like the Battlehawks, you guys really got that right away. Was that something that you guys sensed early on that hey, this is just a sports crazed city that really wants to come out and see a good product? We did absolutely, and uh, you know, kind of a story I tell a lot of people is, is that first home game. You know, when we were exiting the uh, the highway right there, approaching the stadium. You know, everybody kind of had their headphones in and, you know, listening to their, you know, pregame music or whatever you say. And, um, you know, we kind of, we take the exit. And everybody kind of looks up and people are starting to look at one another, you know, pulling their earplugs out. And 
you know, the crowd, you know, the tailgate, it was, it was mind blowing for all of us. You know, it was, it was the first home football game there, you know, X amount of years. And, and it was, it was incredible, you know, it exceeded all of our expectations and, and it was something that motivated us. I mean, just being in that locker room for that first home game, the energy, the atmosphere, I mean, we had no other option but to go out there and, you know, put on a show for the crowd. And, and, and luckily we did so. So it was it was an incredible feeling being a part of, you know, that St. Louis sports base. And Taylor, I can tell in the short time that you were here that you get St. Louis because the items that were delivered to DePaul Hospital yesterday were sugar, fire and emos. So, <laughs> you know, St. Louis, man. <laughs> yeah. That was certainly a good choice. You know, we had uh, we had the privilege of having them cater to us during training camp, and I had uh, I had the privilege of you know partaking in some of their goodies, and it was it sure was delicious. And Taylor, one of the things that the fan base captured pretty quickly, and that spread like wildfire, was Kaka. What was the players' reaction when you first heard Kaka? I mean, it, it just continuously echoed through the <laughs> locker room, through through practice, you know, through that indoor facility we had, you know warming up you know if we had an early morning practice and you could tell some guys were sluggish you know, you'd always have two or three guys just continuously making that cacao noise and you know <laughs> kind of getting the other players you know up to par with that energy just so we could have a successful practice but i mean it was awesome i mean it was it was something that you know where we could go i mean even we go somewhere in public and people would notice a couple of battle hawks players and you know you hear it from a distance at a blues game you know we hear it from various people in the crowd so it, it was an awesome it was an awesome you know tone to you know what we were representing as as a battle hawk it was it was really cool hey taylor before we let you go we know that uh, you and your fiance have had to postpone your wedding you and gabrielle have moved it back to 2021 have you nailed down a date yet and how much of a hassle has that been oh <laughs> uh, we have so we have april 24th um you know 2021 and you know it, it, it was kind of a pain and you know the first you know the lifelong journey between her and i which would be awesome and finally we had uh, uh, kurt hunziker on last week he said that he thinks the xfl is coming back if asked would you return to the battle hawks in the xfl one thousand percent great yeah good to hear uh, yeah, yeah absolutely thank you uh Taylor, great to have you with us. Thanks for what you're doing for our community and uh, the Cal Irvine Medical Center and your hometown of New Orleans. It's greatly appreciated, and uh, thanks for what you did as a member of the Battle Hawks, too. Of course. Thank you, guys, and y'all have a wonderful rest of the day. You, too. Take care. Uh, 1,000%. That's good to hear. It is. And also, we miss having football in St. Louis for the game days and the big plays mm-hmm. and the experience of of going down to the Dome and watching football. But you also really miss having guys who understand the community and pour back in. Yeah, they, they really get it. We are going to cross things over towards Scoops with Danny Mac next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Danny Mack is here. Scoops with Danny Mack coming up after Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And this from the Air Comfort Service text line, Danny. Stop yelling. He didn't even hit him. He, uh, let me get 
back to this. Uh, it was intent, and you know that. I don't argue with intent. It was deserved. Whether he hit him is irrelevant. Separate that within your rant. It does not matter if he actually hit him. It was aimed at his head. Justify that. Astros deserve punishment. I get that, but not getting thrown at head high. You even talked uh, at length yesterday about how Larusa didn't advocate throwing it somewhat above the waist. You can't hush about that on Wednesday and then use that as an excuse that nobody was hit on your next show. The point that I'm making, Dan and Michelle, is that 22 games is excessive. And the fact that baseball is not allowing any repercussions, whether it's from the league or from other players, for what the Astros did... It's not problem. A, it's not a deterrent for anybody else. So what if the Astros, what if this was just a normal game? What if nothing had happened with the Astros and this was a normal game? Is Joe Kelly even suspended? Probably not because nothing had happened nothing up to that happened. point in the game. Exactly. He would have gotten a warning. So there was background to this. The 22 games, and that's what it is, it's a 22-game yep. suspension, is way too much. He wasn't hit. Now, Jim Edmonds and I talked about it on the broadcast last night. We had gotten into kind of an argument before the game, and it was fun. You know, we were talking about it, and he said, look, I love Joe, and I, I love Joe, too. Joe's great. Um, and Joe was great when he was in St. Louis with the media, with me, Jim Hayes. We we had fun. We had fun off the air and on the air. He was, he was terrific to deal with. He was just a fabulous guy to deal with. Um, and we, we were talking about uh, just our relationship with him, and we knew him. We That was one guy I could say, I knew Joe. Joe was a good guy. Joe was old school, too. Joe knew how to take care of teammates with these kind of things. You know, I I had a friend of mine that knows Bob Gibson well, very well. And it wasn't Tim McCarver. It was somebody else. And he said, you know, Gibby would not have thrown at his head. And I agree with that. You put one at his ribs, maybe, or at his backside, and that's how you take care of business. Um, and I agree with that. It did not hit his head. But he did not get hit. I also agree that you do not hit somebody in their head. I, I totally understand yeah, I agree that. With that. Um, but it, I this I thought the penalty was excessive. I didn't think Major League Baseball handled the initial aspect of this with the Astros properly at all. And the stage of this was massive because it's a World Series. It's a championship that was cheated. Um, and, and so I, I just don't. I, the whole thing was not handled properly. The, the the situation with Joe Kelly, you do suspend him. I, I do think that there's some yeah. type of, of suspension. Everybody in the world that if you're following sport knows what he was trying to do. He was trying to send a message, mm-hmm. clearly. So there needs to be some type of repercussion that comes down. Joe needs to get the ball down, yes. But for 22 games, no. that That's way too much. That, that's excessive or whatever. He, he gets eight games in this particular case. So you're talking about a massive percentage of a 60-game season for a guy that, when he's right, can be a weapon out of their pen. I, I thought it was way, way too excessive in a 60-game season. 22 games, aside from Pete Rose and... Steroid suspensions would be the longest suspension in history. It'd be the longest non-gambling or steroid suspension Is that right? in history. The the next longest uh, was Frank Francisco back in 2004 during an argument between his bullpen mate and a fan. Uh, the Ranger then Ranger Francisco jumped in and threw a folding chair into the crowd. He got 16 games. So I, I don't understand how he comes up with 20. Well, the the eight games. I, I mean, I think he clearly is looking at this as a 162-game season and didn't take into account the 60 games and looked at it as a normal suspension and didn't take into account the 60 and said, okay, if it's a normal, it would be uh, the 22 or whatever he's thinking, and now we got to you know pare it down to what this is of the 60, and it's got to be mm-hmm. 
let's say, a four-game suspension or whatever, three or whatever the case may be. But I, I didn't like it. I don't think it's right. I think he'll appeal, and I think it will get reduced. It should be reduced. It has to be. It's not right. Do you think that – obviously Major League Baseball was so severe with Joe Kelly because they want to deter other pitchers from doing the same thing. But it's not going to deter them. What, what's going to happen when they – I mean, honestly, Michelle, and I know I'm interrupting you, and I apologize. No, right. But what – and I said this on the air last night. Th- this is not going anywhere. And I do think it's going to happen again this year, staying in their division. There's going to be more that happens inside their division. But wait until they go outside their division and they have to go again to play the Dodgers. There could be more with that. But next year, let's hope that we have a normal season. And they've got to go, let's say, to play the Yankees. And then eventually they're going to have to go to New York again and play the Mets, which they were supposed to do this year. Interleague play was mm-hmm. it was going to be New York twice. And they're going to go to other teams and have to play in other cities. They're, the fans are not going to forget this. And the, the thing with Kelly flamed it again. It just brought it up again. And people are talking about it around Major League Baseball. We're talking about it here in St. Louis. And it didn't have any effect on what's going on with the Cardinals and this fan base. But we're baseball fans, so we talk about it. It's not going anywhere. These people remember and it's 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 just flamed it again, and the, it, they're going to have to deal with this again. It's going to start up again. There's no doubt in my mind. And don't you think that by being so severe with Joe Kelly, they're just continuing to perpetuate yes. that they're protecting the Astros, therefore making more, way, yes. more players angry and wanting to to exact their revenge? Well, there's, there's going to be players that um, are going to be on different teams that will remember this. I, I do think that. I think there's going to be individuals that remember it that are when pissed. They, when they play the A's? Yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen. You know, and Mike Fires is the one that started this whole thing in November with the article with the Athletic that it started this. And there's going to be individuals that are still. I like remember when David Freeze was in here. I mean, David Freeze is out of baseball. Mm-hmm. David Freeze is not happy. Right. And David Freeze talked about essentially saying that I've got friends of mine that are still in the game that are in various teams that are very upset with what happened. And some of those guys that are on the Dodgers that are no longer with that team that are with various teams that left via free agency or trades or whatever are spread out across baseball that are not happy with what happened. And there are people that are not happy. By the way, we'd be we'd be stupid to think that this isn't happening with other teams in baseball, by the way. Oh, yeah. The cheating. And it's curtailed other teams from doing this and baseball's cut this down and made sure that you're not doing it but they're the ones that got caught they're the ones that got caught cheating they're the ones that are going to have to handle this and they're the ones Correa, uh, Bregman Altuve, those are the players that I think are most prominent with this that are going to have to deal with it and deal with the repercussions of it. Dan McLaughlin this is going to be the third day in a row that you do not call a run with the Cardinals getting a hit with a runner in scoring position it's incredible. They they got a hit, man. I mean, I said going into this, the pitching's going to be pretty good, and the pitching's been fine uh, for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, Carlos had a blow-up two days ago, but the bullpen has been sensational. I mean, if you look at what the bullpen has done in, in the, the five games, it's kept them in great. games. Yeah. I mean, last night was another great example. Cody Whitley was fine. Uh, Miller had a little bump in the road, but Webb has been fine. Uh, I thought Helsley looked outstanding last night. It's kept them in games. Yeah, that you was get, our sunshine lollipops earlier in the morning. I yeah, mean, you give up three runs against that lineup, and after the way that Ponce started the game, you thought, uh-oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. They gave up three runs to that lineup. You should be able against Rich Hill and Homer Bailey to generate some type of offense. So that's an early warning sign that uh, the op- – now, again, you, you a baseball term, you tip your cap and you say, well, those guys pitch well. And they did. They, they pitch fine. But – 
like Carpenter on a 3-1 pitch, 89 miles an hour right down the middle of the yeah. plate. That concerns me. You know, he swung right through it. Um, and he was 3-0. Yeah. And, and it, struck it, out. But the day before, he had a couple of hits. So, I mean, it, it, it's going to happen. But, you know, it, it does beg the question, where is the offense going to come from? And that has been the main question going into this season. The first couple of games, the offense, one through nine, looked pretty good. Uh, you were generating runs top through the bottom. In the middle of the lineup generated a lot, actually the two Pauls. But, man, it was quiet in Minnesota, and that's got to change starting tomorrow afternoon in Milwaukee. Dan, we're looking forward to Scoops with Danny Mac. Yeah, cover Cardinal baseball and Blues hockey like a normal sports show. We, we'll get into both uh, both games and both sports and talk uh, talk what's happening going around St. Louis. Yeah, don't try to talk about much offense because we got yeah, shut out twice last yeah, night. Yeah, that was. I was kind of hoping I I got home last night and I reviewed what happened with the Blues because I didn't have a chance to see it. I did go in. I popped into the studio. That was the odd thing about last night. We're at Channel Nine where we're doing the games. And they were in an intermission, and I walked into John Kelly and Darren Pang. I go, hey, guys, what's going on? They're like, hey, what's going on? You know, we're, they're in a break, and they're doing their thing, that's and we're so talking. Cool. And That's great. It's the weirdest thing ever. It sounds you know? good, though. It, it really sounded it good. Both, both broadcasts. I think um, under the circumstances, we have done uh, – I know it's going to sound self-serving, but I think we've really done a great, a great yeah. job. Our crew has just done an amazing job, and and they do. Um, I always say they do just a great job of making it work in normal circumstances, mm-hmm. you know. But um, when you have these circumstances of trying to bring people into the stadiums with the sound and what we have available to us. If you did not know, if you just woke up and you were in hibernation in 2020 and you woke up and watched the game last night, you wouldn't know if we were there or not. No. No. It's you know, and, and we try to do the best, and we have, and what we have, the camera angles and stuff, and it's fine. Might have been a good idea to hibernate for 2020. I was just thinking that yeah, might not be too bad. Man, <laughs> yeah, you, you wake up every day, you never know what you're going to get. Yep. All so. right. Looking forward to the show, my man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, great job by our producer, engineer, and uh, question writer, Scott Manziaro. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks, Randy. Hashtag uh, justice for Kevin. There we go. Who's Kevin? Who? Kevin, uh, uh, people on the text machine thought that Kevin got screwed in the fight at 8.30. For what? Uh, because a question was misphrased or something Can like that. Can I be a judge in this or what? Sure, go ahead, Scott. I wish you could have been a judge here a while ago. I was getting torched on the text line. Okay. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question, all right, and we'll see how you answer it. Since 2000, the Penguins and Blackhawks have won the most Stanley Cups. How many have they won? Three, four, or five? Three. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. So uh, there was a question as to whether or not it was combined, which it couldn't have been at five, and he answered five, right? Right. Uh, and I got phrased. it right when it was redone as how many have each of them won or something right. like that, three. Uh, so there was a lot of consternation on the text line. So we invited Kevin back tomorrow to participate in, in the fight again. That he lost four to three, four to two. Well, I think he actually won, but that's, that's okay. That's fine. All right, but I think it's a olive branch that you've extended by inviting him back tomorrow. He obviously has very good knowledge, so yeah. why not just... I it's, have it's no issues like, with him coming back. It's kind of like Rocky Two. You know, it's well, an olive branch. You know what? You it's, say, hey, man, go back in training, start start punching the, uh, the meat hanging in the locker. Yeah. You got 24 hours and come back tomorrow. It's funny because I did say that... Uh, uh, there won't be a rematch. And, and, uh, no rematch, man. <laughs> I don't want one. 
There you go. But then the money's on the table, and you but go, you well, take it. you well, got to take it. It's a little different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, have a great show. Okay, thanks. That is the great Dan Sorry, McLaughlin. Sorry, I didn't mean to interject too much. No, that was fun. Okay. We enjoyed it immensely. All we right. always like that. Okay. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show, even if you're going to rip us for the way that we ask questions on the fight. And until Sorry, tomorrow Scott. morning at 7, have a great day. I you up, didn't I? Okay. That was the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN.